Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Badlands Daily. This is all connected, guys. It really is. It's, it's, it's undeniable. This is a rig system with these elite people. There is no need to complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated. The divide is, is meant to keep us divided and fighting each other. But they control the actors, and I really think they have to jump in. They like making their pet monkeys dance. It's just a creation that exists in the minds of people who are still addicted to the central narrative. All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not exactly sure what happened there on the intro. Did that cut out for you too, Paul? Yes. Okay. I have no idea what happened. I started the intro. I went ran downstairs to refill my coffee, and I come back up, and it's screen frozen. So no idea, no impact, no idea. We'll see. We'll get through it. Technical difficulties, human glitch, human error. Technical glitch, human error. That's the excuses. How you doing this morning, Paul? I have no complaints, sir. I could use a little more sleep, but otherwise I'm great, man. How are you? <laughs> sleep? What's sleep, man? We could sleep when we're dead. Basically. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this show rolling. We got to, a lot to talk about today, and uh, we're going to jump into our first sponsor here before we get rolling, and this is Field of Greens Lean. Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you have moderate to high stress, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood, blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings. Now the good news, the studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism and keep your appetite under control. If your life is a bit stressful and you know you wanna lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com and enter pro promo code BADLANDS15. That's promo code BADLANDS15 at takelean.com. Takelean.com statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and is not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, let's get rolling. All right, lots of Hey, man, about. I got to be honest. The fact that they haven't been tested or looked at by the fda makes me more inclined to buy their product <laughs> is it sad that we're at that point now uh that that we're waking up to the medical industrial complex and a, a lot of people already have to be fair uh but yeah i'm with you on that one man i'd rather take the natural stuff that grows in the ground than the stuff that's concocted in a lab where they have our demise and a perpetual cycle of prescriptions as their motivating factors but who am I to say that? Yeah. You know, I mean, God forbid, I don't really want to cram, you know, all kinds of man-made garbage down my throat. Something, something Genesis 129. <laughs> could you imagine being in an industry where you literally could like perpetuate your customer base, like just keep them coming in over and over again? Who wouldn't do that? Like, where's the incentive to, you know, make them better and not come back? and not pay you money anymore there is there is none man that 
a cured patient doesn't provide you with money. Exactly. A sick one does. All right, let's jump into the news for today. I want to start off with a little victory for Katherine Herridge, although I don't think so. SAG after statement on CBS News's return of the reporter's files. Uh, SAG AFTRA, the SAG AFTRA, is pleased to confirm that earlier today, a representative of our union monitored the return of several boxes containing Katherine Herridge's reporting materials from CBS News office in Washington, D.C. Herridge is currently reviewing the materials. The resolution of this matter sends a strong message of protection for basic First Amendment principles. We further hope that the public focus now turns to SAG-AFTRA's continued efforts to support a press shield law that provides additional federal protections for journalists and their confidential sources. This is a big nothing burger to me, man. Like, the damage has already been done. Right. I mean, they, they took computers and files and every those could have backups and copies and everything else made at this point. It's like, oh, here, we stole all your shit, but we're going to give it back to you now. And don't worry about what we might or might not have learned from the, the brief period of time that we had it. It's literally like running up to the smolding fire with a bucket of water. It's like the fire's already out here. I come to help put it out. It's like, no, the damage has been done, dude. You should have been here a few hours ago when the bitch sparked. Like yeah. they, they, no, there's no way they didn't just go through all of her stuff and see what she has and what she's been working on, which is do, somebody that was pointed out heavily by both Q and Donald Trump. And then she gets let go by CBS and they rifle through all of her files. No, that's not a nothing burger. Like they, they yeah. just shook her down pretty hard. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, I talked about, uh, and I don't remember if I brought this up or not, but I talked about Tucker and when he was fired from Fox and the guy in Tampa, which is just up the street from, um, from, uh, from where Tucker lives in Florida. Uh, I, I brought up when, the, when Harridge's stuff was, was seized, I brought up this guy's stuff being seized. And funny enough, the very next day, it comes out that that guy, I, I can't remember his name. Um, Oh, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was if you if you look him up real quick, Tucker, you look up guy and he was indicted. He was just recently indicted. Tucker Carlson, Fox News hack, if you look that up. But anyways, they, they're saying now he he was a writer, I believe, for Deadspin, uh, a leftist, you know, m you know, on the left side. But he he mainly like broke sports stories and stuff. And then all of a sudden they're going after him over over uh tucker carlson he was allegedly the source of the leaks that media matters got their hands on and you know remember when they put up the the uh f media matters clip of tucker between takes and everything well he had all his stuff seized as well uh, you know obviously they're saying he hacked fox news and got that that stuff but i it just it doesn't really fit you know what his previous reporting mainly on sports and stuff like that so i don't know if there's a relationship there or not I just found it coincidental that he's indicted the same time that Catherine Herridge is being ransacked by her own network. Yeah, I'm sure that's a complete coincidence, dude. Yeah, let me see if I can find that story real quick. Indicted. Deadspin. That should pull it up. Yeah, Tim Burke. You know, I wanted to say... Well, from Rolling Stone, uh, Tim Burke, journalist Tim Burke, indicted for what leaking Tucker Carlson clip for leaking Tucker Carlson clips that embarrassed Fox News. Uh, this was on February 22nd. So this was what, five days ago, three. Yeah, five days ago. I don't know. Maybe there's a correlation there. Maybe there's some sort of relationship. I don't know if there is or not. I just thought it was that was the first thing that popped into my mind when I heard about 
you know, Heritage having her stuff taken. Also, James O'Keefe is another one. You know, remember when James O'Keefe got the Ashley Biden diary and decided not to publish it, uh, you know, was, you know, paid money for it. But see, as long as as long as a journalist is not complicit in obtaining documents, like whatever you get sourced, it doesn't matter how it was obtained as long as you weren't involved in the uh, in the pro uh, uh, in the acquirement of the acquiring of that you know particular document or whatever it might be right it's like so long as they're not literally the ones to steal it take it procure it it doesn't matter like somebody else could snatch it hand it to them and then it's it's totally fine right and you also couldn't have paid for it like if O'Keefe paid somebody to go and and steal that then that's the same thing but uh and O'Keefe didn't even run with it, but he got he got FBI an FBI raid. Uh, the guy, the journalist that had it, that was working for Project Veritas at the time, he got raided. And then I can't remember who they ended up selling it to, but they ended up publishing it. And I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, these these coincidental. Oh, I just happened to drop my laptop off at a uh, a blind uh, computer technician shop. I just happened to leave my diary in a. I think it was a halfway house, wasn't it, in Florida. I think so, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, uh, the, the bottom line is I think the the actions by CBS were despicable. And, and coming back in retrospect and saying, well, here's your stuff back. We're sorry. We didn't really mean to do that. It's too little too late, man. I mean, unless, unless there's some acknowledgement of what they copied or what was done there or a way to tell if it was copied or what was done there, it, it's too little too late, man. I mean, her sources have been completely blown and... Uh, you know, it's just an attack against somebody that, you know, was already being attacked over her reporting in Fox News from, uh, you know, reporting on Chinese infiltration in the universities. And uh, what was the other story? Oh, the Black Swan. Remember, that was a thing that riled everybody up. The Black Swan. Yep. yep. She um, they're clearly targeting her and targeting her her assets her uh, her, conf- her, you know, her her informants, her people. She gets stories from her sources. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's full on lawfare and everything. It's just, it's, I don't know, I don't know what side to, to put it under right now. I'm leaning toward panic. Like they're they're going through such means to get a hold of everything they can because they're panicking and they know they're screwed. That's kind of where yeah. I'm leaning. And we're definitely going to talk about the panic here coming up uh, very shortly. But I do want to get to this story uh, before we get into that. Uh, this is from Globes. Uh, Houthis hit submarine <laughs> communication cables. This is hilarious, man. Like, okay, so the Houthis hit these submarine cables that are going, uh, you know, underwater, connecting Asia with uh, the UK. And uh, you, you've got a picture here. I just love the picture that they use for this. Uh, a, a couple of guys with RPGs and a bolt action. I mean, that looks like almost like a World War One era rifle slung over the guy's shoulder back then. Uh, It says four submarine communication cables have been damaged in the Red Sea between Jeddah and Saudi Arabia and Djibouti and East Africa. This is causing serious disruption of Internet communications between Europe and Asia, with the main damage being felt in the Gulf countries and India. Estimates that are that damages to the communication activities is significant but not critical because other cables pass through the same region linking Asia, Africa and Europe and they have not been hit. The repair of the cables of such a large number of under, excuse me, the repair of such a large number of underwater cables may take at least eight weeks. The underwater cable was led by Tycho Arm uh, Alcatel Lucent, 
at a cost of $700 million and was the first cable stretching from the UK to India. Shares in EIG are held by a consortium including AT&T, Saudi Telecom, Verizon, and India's Bharat Sanchar. So I guess we're now to believe, so first we're to believe that Ukrainian oligarchs, remember Ukrainian oligarchs on a yacht were able to dive, you know, 300 feet to the bottom of the Baltic Sea and uh, locate a pipeline that was running down there, plant explosives, and blow it up all to the detriment of themselves or something, I, I don't know, and blame it on Russia. And now we've got Houthi rebels who are, you know, flying drones into ships. And now all of a sudden they're capable of going underwater and destroying communication cables as well. I, maybe it's possible. Who's that funding them? Quickly. Well, who, yeah, who's funding them to get that type of te technology and capability? Right. Right. Like what's I, I, it's kind of a segue to some stuff we're going to get get into later on. But it's it's there's definitely something going on like they want their major world scale conflict, dude. And you can see them like they're pulling it every little like string they can. They're they're yanking rugs out all over. They're trying whatever they can to jumpstart a major conflict. And and to this point, it's not working, but you could just see them. It, it's it's clear as day, dude. Like they're trying everything they can to start a major scale conflict. And we'll get into it later. But my feeling is it's they're, they're going to try to stop the election because they know if the election goes off that they're done. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm really just getting a sense that it's I brought it up on the show a couple weeks ago, man. If they know that they can still steal the elections like they did in 2020, then why the effort so much to stop Trump? Just let him run unabated and steal the election from him again. It's because they know they can't steal it again. Heretofore, they have to stop it, which is what they're, they're trying to drum up narratives. All they, they're, They've put out like they're putting out testers all over the place. Like they just want one of them to pop off and escalate to a major world conflict. And, and to this point, it's not working, and I hope it doesn't, but it's what they want. I guarantee you. Yeah. I saw somebody in the chat says, Houthis can swim. This is a little bit more than swimming. I mean, you're talking about technical divers now that are going down there with explosives, you know, that that to, to be able to, that are, I, I would imagine explosives. I guess they could go down there since it's not a pipeline. I guess they could go down there and essentially cut the cables. But I, I mean, just even thinking about being able to locate uh these cables underwater in that type of environment i mean at that depth you have no light there is no visual light uh you know so you're going down there blind essentially trying to locate these cables and then you know they're not just like these bright red cables running under the ocean they've got sediment and all sorts of stuff that's covering them uh you know they've been down there for i think these pipes were uh these these lines were run in the 1990s i believe uh might have been the early early 2000s excuse me it was early 2000s so they've been down there for 20 plus years uh they're they're not they got all sorts of stuff growing on them it's not something easy to do but i mean maybe they can do it now if that's the case then then maybe we really do need to uh worry about the houthis <laughs> your air quotes there pretty much said everything i was going to it's like I said yesterday, bro, we're never going to, well, I, I'm not going to say never, but it's not likely that we're going to have a full-fledged conflict between two first world nations like the United States and Russia, because there's far more incentive 
for them to wage these little proxy wars and 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 whatnot because it keeps the military industrial complex up and running it keeps the the energy uh industry up and running it keeps everything kind of going but at the same time you avert that mutually assured destruction the whole time just kind of you know posturing like you're going to do something on a on a grander scale I, I don't know it's just concerning to me it's basically it's basically the cuban missile crisis like mm -hmm. in stasis like it just keeps repeating over you know it's like it's on a loop like the same kind of scenario situation just keep the tension up high enough to keep the mic involved and keep making your money off of it but not necessarily getting into the mutually assured destruction part of it it's it's what they do. Yeah. I mean, since World War II, that's that's all it's been. It's been guerrilla warfare. It's been, you know, this this uh, first world nation invading a, you know, third world nation or, or at least an emerging nation and, uh, you know, fighting these types of proxy wars. But it is what it is. Uh, here's another example of this. And this is this is where I think, folks, it's it's getting a little bit spicy because this is a controlled release. I think we all know that. This is from Zero Hedge in response to the New York Times article that was released yesterday. CIA built 12 secret spy bases in Ukraine and waged a shadow war for the last decade. Bombshell, New York Times report confirms. First off, there is nothing bombshell about this report. Nothing. Everything in this report not only was known by us for a long time, but has already been reported on by the Washington Post. Five months ago, uh, yeah, about five months ago. We'll get into that here, but let's go through the, the New York Times and let's pretend this is bombshell and that there isn't some alternative meaning for this being released. It says the New York Times published an explosive and very belated full admission that U.S. intelligence has not only been instrumental in Ukraine wartime decision-making, but has established and financed high-tech command and control spy centers oh, and no. was doing and was doing so long prior to the February 24th invasion of two years ago. Among the biggest revelations is that the program was established a decade ago and spans three different presidents. The yeah. CIA program to modernize Ukraine's intelligence services has transformed the former Soviet state and its capabilities into, quote, Washington's most important intelligence partners against the Kremlin today. The agency having secretly trained and equipped Ukrainian intelligence officers spanning back to just after the Maidan 2014 coup, as well as constructing a network of 12 secret bases along the Russian border, work which began eight years ago. It goes on to say these intelligence bases from which Russian commanders communications can be swept up and Russian spy satellites monitored are being used are being used launch and track across border drone and missile attacks on Russian territory. Well, that is just a bombshell report. Nothing. I didn't know any of that. Let me, me tell neither. you. Wow. What a revelation. I had no idea about any of this stuff. I mean, this is all just the absolute craziest thing we could, we could never do, you know, like a coup, right? Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but, you know, other places. <laughs> yeah. You mean, I, you mean to tell me that we've been all over the world, the clowns in America being we, fomenting chaos and coup d'etats and all kinds of nonsense and con no, no, that's, yeah. that cannot be. 
I really know <laughs> people are picking up on my sarcasm, man. I don't want the comments later. Like, re abs is for the CIA. And I'm being completely sarcastic, just as a disclaimer. Well, Alpha called me a Fed on Thursday, so maybe maybe I'm with the CIA. I have a handler I don't even know about. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to continue ripping apart the New York Times for this better late than never reporting that is coincidentally eerily uh, coincidental. I should say eerily coincidental. And we'll get into that in a second here. But I do want to go through uh, some of the highlights of this article first. It goes on to say this means that the disclosure of the longtime, quote unquote, closely guarded secret. The world just got a big step closer to World War III. Ah, enter the motives. Uh, given it means to the CIA, the, uh, given it means the CIA is largely responsible for the effectiveness of the recent spate of attacks, which have included direct drone hits on key oil refineries and energy infrastructure. Quote, without them, the CIA and leak commandos it's trained, there would have been no way for us to resist the Russians or to beat them, according to Ivan Bakanov, Bakanov, former head of the SBU, which is Ukraine's domestic intelligence agency. Clearly, Kiev and Washington now want the world to know of the deep intelligence relationship they tried to conceal for over the past decade. The New York Times report also confirmed what President Putin has precisely accused Washington of all along. Remember when Putin told Tucker, I didn't invade Ukraine. I'm just continuing the war that they started. I remember. Yeah. This is it right here, folks. I mean, U.S. intelligence operating in Ukraine, overthrowing Ukraine and Russia. I mean, they're 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 neighboring countries. Uh, they've had a, a a an intelligence relationship. I believe the SBU was broken up when they started this whole operation because of the infiltration of Russian assets in the SBU. Uh, and and now the the CIA has come in and basically overthrown uh, the intelligence opera operation that that Russia was conducting. I, again, I, I I I encourage you guys to think about this from the perspective of Russia. In that, what or, or from the United States, what hap What would we do if Russia infiltrated Mexico in the same way, or Canada? Not that they haven't. China has infiltrated both of them, but if Russia had infiltrated Mexico in the same way that we're infiltrating Ukraine right now, and there is no kinetic war between us and Mexico. We kind of already have a, a precedent for exactly this this sort of situation with, um, you know, you said, what if Russia <clears throat> had infiltrated Mexico or Canada? A Cuban Missile Crisis. We've already seen how the U United States, granted it was 67 years ago, but we've already seen how the United States will react if they think there's an enemy right in their backyard setting up mechanisms that can attack us from said backyard. We don't act too kindly to it. Now, Dare I say, had it not been Kennedy in office at the time, probably would have gotten their full blown war. But um, we didn't sit back and say, oh, well, Russia's just chilling in Cuba, setting up missiles. We're going to do absolutely positively nothing about it and just go about our business. Like, so you can. And I said on Sports Talk yesterday, and I stick by it, I'm not going to hop on board the hero worship for Putin um, because I, I understand the history of that country, where he comes from. I understand that a lot of things he's doing right now are beneficial to us. I also understand that Donald Trump is way smarter than many of us gave him credit for. And a lot of the people that he's working with have kind of been sucked into his quicksand to do his bidding without their really realizing it. Whether or not that's Putin, I don't know. Um, but I do know that what we're seeing here is almost 
a mirror of everything we've done for the last 60 years being shined right back on us through this situation. It's bringing it all to light and exposing the hell out of it. So I'm not going to pretend to know the very top of this, this plan, whatever is going on. I'm not going to pretend to know what the play is with Russia or Putin, but I do know that when I see the mainstream media <clears throat> immediately re over Navalny and set him up as a hero, I get red flags. When I see, um, the fact that their little deep state honey hole in Ukraine is getting smacked all around right now that, you know, that they're, they're definitely things arising from this situation where you, you can't say that Putin's working against us at the moment, but there are other things with this situation that I'm kind of like, man, there's, there's just a deep layer to what's going on. It's, it's super complex. And I I'm having trouble figuring out one side or the other, what the hell's going on, who's pulling what strings, who's behind everything. That's, that's where I'm at right now, man. Like it's, um, of course, I tend to believe that Patriots are in control and we're seeing a lot of game theory in 5GW right now. So I, I just don't know, man. I, I know that this Russia situation and everything that comes out almost every week with it just seems to compound the complexity of it and make it a little bit harder to, to really kind of figure out what the hell is going on or or who's behind it all. Ultimately, man, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like it's 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 a really complex situation with a lot of gray area. Yeah, I'm with you 100. I, percent I I I'll bring this up because you 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 brought up what's going on with uh you know Russia and whether or not they're the good guys and all this and uh Mr. Luke Skywalker himself uh, tweets out the other day. Yeah, I know, man. Why do you have to get into politics, especially controversial sh crap like this, when you speak out of your ass and you have no idea what you're talking about, Mark Hamill? Tell me you don't understand Star Wars without telling me you don't understand Star Wars. Hint, the Ukrainian people are the rebels. You are the evil empire. No, the Ukrainian people are not the rebels. The Ukrainian people are an arm of the imperialist <laughs> empire, which is the United States. <laughs> and 32 nations breathing down Russia's neck. Uh, six of which are on Russia's border. We're trying to add another one. We Well, Sweden is going to be a part of it. We'll get into that here now. Uh, and 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 the the NATO Supreme Allied Commander, no, the Secretary General. I I bring up the Supreme Allied Commander as a shot at Whistle Clark. But the NATO Secretary General coming out the other day and saying Ukraine will be a part of NATO. We are the Empire, Mark Hamill. I'm sorry to say it. It might be painful. We like, are the Empire. It's like. Tell me you don't know shit about world politics without telling me you don't know shit about world politics, Mark. Like, and it's so funny because Ash tagged us both last night and she was that, like, I didn't, I didn't realize that the rebels were the Nazis. Why didn't you guys tell me this? And I replied to her, said, they're not. Mark Hamill is just a supreme leftist douche. Like, that's basically it. My God, what? Whew. That, that, that tweet is not going to age well. No. <laughs> I've already put up. I already put up the the shelling of Donbass and Konetsk and all the places that and Duhansk and you know where they were shelling in 2014, 2015, and continued to do so. And now this revelation. I mean, Mark, do you read the New York Times? Is that normie enough for you, Mark Hamill, to read the New York Times and see that for ten years the United States has been operating an intelligence uh, uh, mission with twelve bases off the border of Russia? I mean, if Mexico did that to the United States with Russia, we'd be bombing Mexico right now. We would be yeah. bombing Mexico right now. Yeah. And I'd like to thank Mark Hamill for making it very easy to not even have Luke Skywalker 
in my top five favorite Jedi's. You know, Luke uh, has like a little bit of like man bitch to him in the movies. A apparently, that was taken from real life, I guess. I mean, he all right, I'm done messing with pretty, Mark Hamill. He was pretty badass at the end of Mandalorian. I'm not. He gonna was, lie. but I he was total Mandal man bitch in A New Hope. So, but he was also artificial intelligence. He was AI generated or CGI yeah. generated. So, but what yeah. you're saying is, in order to get a badass Luke Skywalker, we had to CGI him. Gotcha. Yes, pretty much, pretty much. We we took his robotic arm and expanded upon it and made his whole being uh, robotic. All right, let's get back into this. All right, so reading on it says, not only had this precisely been going on for the past decade, as is now being admitted, but was presented by the Kremlin as a key cause of the Russian invasion of February 24th, 2022. Putin and his officials were adamant on the eve of the invasion that NATO was militarizing Ukraine. The Times appears now to now fully admit that yes, this was the actually the this was actually the case. And this is directly from the article. It says, quote, Putin has long blamed Western intelligence agencies for manipulating Kiev and sowing anti-Russia sentiment into Ukraine. Hashtag Maidan revolution. Toward the end of 2021, according to a senior European official, Putin was weighing whether to launch a, his full-scale invasion when he met with the head of one of Russia's main spy services, who told him that the CIA, together with Britain's MI6, were controlling Ukraine and turning it into a beachhead for operations against Moscow. I mean, it, it, it can't be any more obvious, folks. We cannot continue to, uh, you know, to operate in this type of fashion and assume there's going to be no consequences for what we're doing. It goes on to say, quote, this is from the article, with violence escalating, an unmarked U.S. government plane touched down at an airport in Kiev, carrying none other than John Brennan, then the direct director of the CIA. He told Nali Vychenko, that the CIA was interested in developing a relationship, but only at a pace that the agency was comfortable with. The CIA was supposed to strengthen Ukraine's intelligence agencies without provoking Russia. <laughs> the red lines were never precisely clear, which created a persistent tension in the partnership. In other words, he's saying, I want to punch you in the face, but not in a way that's going to make you want to punch me back. I can't. I can't. This is so ridiculous on its face. I want to punch you in the face, but not get punched back. Like, really? Like, what What do we suspect was going to happen, man? Like, you can only go around smacking everybody else on the playground long enough before they kind of team up. And they're like, you know what? F this dude. And then they're going to go full-blown Ralphie on the bully and Christmas story on you, man. Like, that's... You, you just can't go around poking your nose and everybody else's shit and controlling the way the world runs through clandestine operations and backdoor deals with bad folks before the shit comes to light eventually. That's what we're seeing at the moment. I, I just, I can't get over that, bro. Like New York Times seriously published that. The CIA was supposed to strengthen Ukraine's intelligence agencies without provoking the Russians. I mean, what what, what are they there for? What, hey, why man. do we need intelligence assets in, in Ukraine? What would be the purpose of intelligence, U.S. intelligence, in ukraine other than to spy on russia hey man i want you to go find a beehive and crack it open and stick your hand in there and get some honey but don't upset the bees okay Dude. don't Dude. piss them off it's absurd reading on it says money and advanced tech given by the cia has allowed the ukrainians to establish eavesdropping operations 
oh, that's not going to piss off the Russians, far beyond what they would otherwise be capable of. All the while, elite commando teams were being trained by the CIA in European cities as part of a program called Operation Goldfish. The New York Times reporting includes a bit of a boast of the Ukrainians now being able to hack into Russian military networks. Remember that pace we're supposed to be moving at, ladies and gentlemen, not to piss off the Russians, how to piss off the Russians, crack into their military infrastructure, their networks, create a force of elite commandos trained in Europe and eavesdrop on Russian uh, cables. Yeah, what, what could go wrong, guys? And a few years later, take out the Nord Stream pipeline. But don't worry, none of this will piss off the Russians. Damn, I saw somebody spamming in the chat and I went to go delete it. Oh, there it is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Zap. Bot. Zap like a like a bug on a uh, what do they call those things? A bug zapper. What? Are, what? Yeah. But what's the light called? There's got to be a name for the light specifically. Dude, I'm born and raised in the south. I've always called it a bug zapper. Bug it's, zapper, whatever. So, bro, those UV things are light epic. in it. But yeah, it's like know. a UV light and you just sit there and you watch it. Bzz, bzz. Yeah, it's the, the best is when the big ones hit it and you're just like. Is that part of cicada in one last year. Yeah, look. <laughs> you don't know fun until a cicada's landed in your bug zapper, dude. We get birds power and for the lizards, all sorts of things. All right, let's get back. Get this. A lizard in your bug zapper? Holy shit. Florida oh, yeah, really dude. is America's Australia. Oh, yeah. We, we are. We are, man. Everything down here tries to kill you. Uh, in the bunker, Bortes Voretsky, this is where you need Patrick Gunnels to read this, Voretsky pointed to communications equipment and large computer servers, some of which were financed by the CIA. His, he said his teams were using the base to hack into Russian military secure communication networks. Quote, this is the thing that breaks into satellites and decodes secret conversations, Dvorsky told a Times journalist, and that's when I knew this article was bullshit. <laughs> a clue, Watson. <laughs> They just, just, just listen to that. Okay. Now it, it could, it might, it might actually be real and we'll get into why this could actually be real. And this is a shot over the bow at the United States Congress, but it says, this is literally a part of the article. We have CIA computers right here. You see this one right here, Mr. New York times journalist guy reporter. This is the one that breaks into satellites and decodes secret conversations. I, I mean, what? That's the worst intelligence guy ever. That guy should be fired immediately. You're just going to reveal, you know, secret classified information to a New York Times journalist willy-nilly. Like, you're not even going to make them work for it. Oh, my goodness. It says adding that they're hacking into spy satellites from China and Belarus, too. Let's really kick this war off. Not only, Mr. New York Times, is America hacking into Russians. We're also hacking into the Belarusians and the Chinese. Oh, my goodness. Hey, man, the next time I see you, right, I'm going to walk up to your wife and your dogs and just slap them. But I don't want you to get upset about it, okay? Like, you just don't get mad. It's, it's just totally fine. Don't worry about me tapping into your phone lines, putting a tracker on your car, nothing, dude. This is totally non-invasive stuff. You don't need to worry about it, bro. There's no reason to get well, upset well, at all. That's basically well, what we're saying. The more appropriate analogy right here, Paul, would you walk, would you walk up to my wife and say, Hey, uh, by the way, this is the device right here that I'm spying on you and your husband with. And uh, I'm also not only am I spying on you and your husband, I'm also spying on all the people, all the creators at Badlands. I'm also spying on. I, I mean, wow. Wow. I just, oh, my God. It's not even 11 in the morning yet. And we've hit peak clown world.
Ash says Ukraine is a joining NATO as a line. None of us should stop support should support crossing. How the hell do we let Ukraine into NATO after what they just revealed here? Right. <laughs> Here's our spy <laughs> network that the CIA gave us. Now let us into NATO. But we'll get into that. Among the most interesting and curious moments of the New York Times report is a description of the CIA's program expanse under the Trump administration. No. The report suggests that the true scope may have even been hidden from Trump. Oh, that makes that sense. Actually, that actually lends a ton of weight to Trump and the, mm. the Q posts and the Q operation. Man. Like That's actually kind of a proof. I like that. <laughs> it says the election of Trump in 2016 put the Ukrainians and their CIA partners on edge. I wonder why. I wonder why you would be on edge after Donald Trump, the outsider, gets in there vowing to drain the swamp, and you guys are literally, you guys are the, the limestone deposit at the bottom of the swamp. You guys are the buffer between the limestone. Like, limestone is supposed to filter the water. You guys are the buffer of muck and shit that is accumulated <laughs> at the bottom that prevents the swamp from being drained out. Trump is the limestone. It says Trump praised Putin and dismissed Russia's role in election interference. He was suspicious of Ukraine and later tried to pressure its president, Vladimir Zelensky, to investigate his Democratic rival, Biden, resulting in Trump's first impeachment. The report then emphasizes, quote, but whatever Trump said and did, his administration often went in the other direction. Oh, yet another uh, 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 admission, well, not admission, but another sign towards uh, treasonous, treasonous dereliction when you're disobeying uh, your, your commander in chief, hashtag Milley. This is because Trump had put Russia hawks in key positions, including Mike Pompeo as CIA director and John Bolton, there he is again, as national security advisor. Woo! Why, why, do, you, why do you think Trump put Russia hawks in such important positions, folks, so that Trump would be able to navigate this whole Russia thing without kind of getting sucked into Russian propaganda himself. Like, I'm not saying that Trump's not capable of doing that, but I'm saying that Russia is, in fact, masters of propaganda. Trump needed to wade that stuff and make sure what he was about to enter into wasn't going to be us, how on word this, wasn't going to be us getting sucked into Russia's bidding for them. This is completely different. This is, we've got to get rid of this existential threat that's trying to control the entire world, and I need some hard ass because... If, if you think over in Russia, there still aren't hardline elements within the KGB and the Kremlin and all that that would love for Putin to go straight hardline communist. You're wrong. So Trump needed those people in those positions to identify those folks in the Kremlin. And it's just, um, man, this article, I, I'm halfway between like disbelief, but the disbelief is at like the day late and dollar short like quotient of this article. It's like, yeah, we're aware of all this, but it's, you brought it up at the top of the show. Why, why is all this? Like we're being carpet bombed with the CIA narrative right now, not just this, but the CIA Tucker stuff and multiple other facets pointing towards CIA stuff right now. What's, what's this narrative bubbling up for? You said it before we came on air. What, what are they trying to do? What are they planning for? Like they're trying to, they're trying to smoke something up and we, that that's, what's catching my eye about all this at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about this before we went on and granted, this has only been a thought that has really, I've done any type of, you know, looking into uh, just prior to going on here. But I often think, you know, when, when you know that somebody has dirt on somebody, especially in this geopolitical world, you know, in such a, a, a macro, you know, scale like this, grandiose, 
you, you often wonder like how does this information leak you know Zelensky's never going to come out and say oh i've got all the dirt on joe biden give me money but what they do i think is they give you you know proverbial shots over the bow and i think that this article right here is a shot over the bow what did we re just recently do uh we we shut down the ukraine funding with the border protection in it and we're still debating over the border over excuse me over ukraine funding uh that's kind of taken a back burner because now it's time for the the annual or the the quadra annual uh the u.s government's going to shut down we have to pass a continuing resolution don't worry we'll fix it next time we're in that cycle now so that's the cycle of of congress that we're in right now where we have to rush this continuing resolution through otherwise the government's going to shut down and so ukraine funding has taken a, a back seat good what i find interesting as well man is i think it was last week um Mayorkas's wife has i think it's a Substack or a blog and she doesn't post to it often in the last she had posted to it like months and months and months ago and then her next post was after it was either the day before it was the day before mayorkas was they voted to impeach him right um and it was it, it was really long article a lot of drivel a lot of it was re really weirdly worded almost like it came off as comms i'm not trying to fall into the everything is calm sector here but that's just how it came off there was a lot of meaningless drivel a lot of like superfluous just explanations and adjectives all over the place to explain the story she was talking about her sick daughter but never mentioned what her daughter was sick with um and then a, a good portion of it she was talking about how we need to be willing to help other people we need to be willing to reach the hand out and and rub people's backs a lot and it kind of came off like this chick is like kind of kind of throwing a shot across the bow like you guys need to take care of us or we're going to spill everything too that's kind of how it came off and so when you pair that with this coming out now and and your supposition that that it's a shot across the bow like get us our funding or the secrets are coming out it almost seems like a, a second call within a week from some deep state rats to get some funding to the Ukraine or else, you know, it's almost like yes. these dirty players or it's, it's like the, uh, you know, in the, the 60 election, <clears throat> Kennedy kind of used the mob in Chicago to, to jack the election there. And then as soon as he got in office, he turned his back on the mob that it's like, you uh, we need this from you. Oh, we got it. All right. Steve. It's, it's just, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, man. Like the more I think about it, the more it's kind of coming off as like a shot across the bow. Like we're about to cut loose all of this stuff unless we get our funding. And it kind of paired with her article. It was almost like she was saying, you know, you you better help my husband out here. Or we're going to throw you right up under the bus. It's just, um, yeah. man, it's the black pillar. It would be easy to say, here it comes. They're about to start their world war and take over everything. But then the the white pill comes along and says, uh, it feels like these fools are walking into some sort of a trap here. Like they're kind of being outed in a big way. Let's see what happens. Like that's kind of where I'm at right now, man. I do like your theory though, that it's a shot across the bow. Well, so here's, so here's some, some more, just some more support to my theory. I, I don't think this is uh, something that's going to, you know, lead to world war three i mean russia's already known this i mean we made it perfectly clear right russia vladimir putin has been saying this for two years you know this isn't new information it's just whether or not you trust vladimir putin and russia today and some of the sources over there apparently uh their new york times is now giving credibility to him but here's here's the key thing so this is uh february 26th the uh the con the the vote in congress was last month 
for the funding in Ukraine that did not pass. So Ukraine did not get funding from the United States. Now, when we started this article, I told you that this is an old story. This is an old story, guys. The Washington Post covered this story in October of 2023. Okay. Now I started thinking about it and why would you have two CIA asset mockingbird media outlets covering this same story, both of them putting it out there as if it's some breaking news when neither of it was, although to be fair, Washington Post got this story out before. Now the Washington Post goes through, they talk about the same things. They talk about the CIA and the SBU and the GUR or HUR, excuse me. No, GUR and their uh, alliance, you know, they're in Ukraine, the training in Europe, they talk about intercepting 250,000 cables a day from Russia, all of it. They talk about, they, they go a step further and talk about the blowing up of, of uh, what was her name? Daria Dugina, what was her name? The, the general's daughter in the car bomb, what, whatever it was. Talk about blowing up the Russian general's daughter uh, in that car bomb. And so I started thinking about it and I'm like, well, what happened with, Ukraine's funding prior to that. And here it is from The Guardian. This is good news. Biden signs stopgap funding bill to avert U.S. shutdown. Jump down here and it says the bill unveiled by the House Republicans on Saturday morning will extend funding through 17 of November and allocate $16 billion for disaster aid. The bill does not include additional funding for Ukraine, which has become a source of outrage among hard right lawmakers. I, I don't think it's hard right lawmakers. I think it's the hard left lawmakers like the Bidens and the deep state establishment. Politico, same thing in October, excuse me, in September, a month before the Washington Post article, House narrowly clears hard right Pentagon funding bill after Ukraine aid carve out. I, I, I don't know. I really think, I don't think this is a push towards World War III, because Putin already knows all this. This is nothing new to Putin. But this is new to us in the United States, and I think this is the warning shot from Ukraine saying, get us our damn funding or we'll put more out there. We've got more. Yeah, I don't disagree, man. It kinda, it's kind of coming off that way, because I'm kind of in the line of thinking like, if this whole conflict and everything going on in the Middle East was going to erupt into World War III, rather, if the deep state had the power to push that or make World War III happen, they probably would have at this point. That they're, they're trying. It doesn't mean they'll succeed. So ultimately, I look, I, I got to look beyond that, and I kind of side with your theory that this is. It, you look, we can all see the funding drying up, and we can all see the. It, it's almost like I, I don't. I don't know what facet over here has done it, but something is, ah, yeah, no, no more with this shit. So it's obviously getting harder and harder to get money over there. So if we can see that, certainly they can see it and feel it. So they're basically kicking and screeching and throwing temper tantrums and shots across the bow to get their funding, get their money. It's like a kid that has had his allowance withheld. And so he's, you know, well, mommy, daddy, I'm going to do such, such, such if I don't get my allowance. It's kind of how it's coming off. Like the entitled kid that had its, that has had its allowance yanked away from, it's sugar daddy and and they they're threatening to blackmail said sugar daddy unless they get their money that's kind of how it's coming off yeah to me to me this is this is a hockey game man and and i was thinking about this like before the show this morning you know because we always talk about this as a movie sit back and enjoy the pot you know enjoy the popcorn and if, if this is a movie this is like this is like the moment right before the reveal so to speak but i want to use a hockey reference this is the third period they're losing and now they're just making the decision on when do we pull the goalie, 
you know, they're, they're sitting there debating, when do we pull the goalie and try and get that extra effort at the same time, making ourselves ridiculously vulnerable to a, a cross ice shot. And I, right. I think that's where we're at right now. At the same time, they're also kind of reeking of the 1980 Russian Olympic hockey team. Like, they don't know when to pull the goalie because they've never been in this position before, so they don't know how to act. The deep state has never been in a defensive position, at least not as long as I've been alive. And now they're in a defensive position. They're getting beat, and they don't know how to react to it. And much like Tikhanov in the 1980 Olympics, he's standing there on the bench watching his team lose with a minute, like watching arguably the most powerful hockey team in history lose with a minute to go. And he's standing over there with his thumb up his ass, no idea what to do and not pulling his goaltender because he didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Like in her, if you've seen miracle, her Brooks says it on the bench. His assistant coach says, dude, why aren't they pulling their goalie? And her books literally says he doesn't know what to do. They've never been here before. He doesn't know what to do. It's the same thing. And I think we're seeing that a lot from the deep state right now. They don't know what to do in this position. And that's why they're throwing sh so much shit at the wall. They're hoping something will stick, except all that keeps hitting the wall and just sliding right down. Like every bit they try. I'm you, you set me up perfectly for this. You ready for the next slide down? You nailed it. Here, here's the perfect setup for the next slide down. And this is in, in, in Ukraine, so I'm going to mute it, and I'm just going to read to you. This is uh, Kyrylo Budinov, who is the general in charge of military intelligence for Ukraine. And he was asked about Alexei Navalny and his death, and he says this. Well, let me put the volume on. I may disappoint you, but what we know is that he actually died from a blood clot. So as if as if they don't give another shot to the United States right there, because our media has been all over the place saying that Putin killed Navalny, Putin killed Navalny. He killed his p political uh, you know, rival adversary that was polling at two percent, by the way, like real threat there. He died from a blood clot, folks. And that's coming from the Ukrainians who have nothing to gain from him dying from a blood clot. Maybe he got vaccinated in prison other than saying give us more money or we'll say what caused the blood clot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind that's of a new approach. Let's see if we can shift our funding apparatus from the United States government to the government that controls the United States. And that is the government of Pfizer and Moderna. And we'll see if we can get them to fund our war. Now that's <laughs> epic, man. <laughs> right? Like it just <laughs> a blood clot, huh? Neat yeah. story. <laughs> All right. So actually, you know what? Before we jump into the next story here, let's go ahead and jump into our next sponsor uh, because we, we, you know, uh, well, yeah, we'll jump into our next sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't prepared to do this, but we'll go ahead. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, up next, we have our good friend David Becker at Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance. With renewal season and open enrollment behind us, it's important to note that those at Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance are still able to enroll you into Cigna PPO insurance plans. David Becker and his son Jesse of Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance are here to help you get the best possible PPO insurance coverage at affordable rates. If you think the cost of groceries has exploded, you should see what the hospitals are charging these days. Without the proper PPO protection, you could be liable for tens of thousands of dollars in the event of a surgery or a hospital stay. 
Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance has been helping small businesses and self-employed individuals save money and get the best possible PPO insurance since 1990. Having a great nationwide network like Cigna will help you keep your costs down while providing the highest level of coverage. Call David to get a free quote today at 609-577-8557 or visit badlandsmedia.tv slash Becker. Again, that's 609-577-8557. And uh, give David Becker a call. Longtime fan of Badlands Media and and Devolution and John and everybody else. And uh, they're great people, man. Had the opportunity to meet them at Guard a couple times now. And not enough good things that I could say about them. Let's go ahead and jump into this story here. From CNBC, Hungary votes to approve Sweden's NATO membership. Uh, Hungary was kind of the holdout. Hungary and Turkey were holding out and uh, Turkey ended up caving. But now uh, Hungary has as well. It says on Monday, Hungary voted to approve Sweden's NATO ascension bid ending months of diplomatic negotiations and finalizing Stockholm's membership almost two years after it first applied to join the the military alliance. The Scandinavian country will become the 32nd NATO member, member coming under the fold of Article 5 of the treaty, which vows that an attack on one member is an attack on all of them. And I love the way that that's like the third paragraph in the CNBC article. Like, hey, let's make sure that we reiterate that if you go to war with Sweden, 32 countries that pay less than the United States combined uh, are going to rain have re, re, rain down havoc on you. Who the fuck is going to war with Sweden? Is <laughs> <laughs> there somebody out there that has an issue with IKEA that we're unaware of? I don't like seriously. Who's going to war with Sweden? The girl with Anybody? the dragon tattoo. Oh, that's a good movie, but a good book. <clears throat> I, I haven't read the book and the movie seen the original i haven't seen the remake like the americanized remake that was done. i haven't seen that i've seen the original the original is fantastic but i, I haven't read the book either I'm kind of slacking in that area thanks for making Man, me feel completely well, inadequate brian well so in this year alone we've now added finland and we're about to add sweden we've now expanded to 32 countries which is a long far cry from not an inch further east and as stoltenberg said <laughs> the other day we are going to add NATO. It's just a question of when. Now that we've, you know, we've said that will be uh, kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of, uh, you know, a, a full-fledged war with with Russia. Although, again, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think Russia can stand NATO. I, I, no matter how many people they're allied with, even even if you throw China into the mix, I, I, I don't know, man. So what you're telling me is if Ukraine becomes a part of NATO, they would be the 33rd country to enter NATO. These deep state cabal bastards really love their number 33. Also the 33rd summer or the 33rd Olympic games coming up this summer too. So kind of interesting. They're definitely trying to work their things right now. I don't think any of them are going to work, but they're, they're going to (laughs) try. Things are going to get sticky before November, man. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, here's a story from the New York Post that'll make you shoot milk out your nose even if you're not drinking milk. Hunter Biden says his sobriety is the key to the future. (laughs) I mean, could you be a little more modest? Holy, holy melodramatic, Batman. Melodramatic? He thinks pretty highly of himself. 
I mean, geez, Ooh. Louise, it's his first son, Hunter Biden, in a rare interview published Monday that him staying clean is vital because, quote, I have something much bigger than even myself at stake. We are in the middle of a fight for the future of democracy, says the twice indicted 54 year old to Axios. His health, uh, while discussing his health effect on his father's likely 2024 election battle against former President Donald Trump. Could that be, that statement right there, could that be what pushes Joe Biden out of the race? Joe Biden says, you know what, this is too much on my son's health. I love my family. I already lost one son to a, to a health uh, ailment, and I'm not going to lose another one. So therefore, I am putting Gavin Newsom in my place. I don't, I don't know if it would be Newsom, but uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating. It goes on to say, quote, in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances, but to suggest that this is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond absurd. Now, keep in mind, he just admits right there that he was extremely irresponsible in the depths of his addiction with his finances. What else could he have been extremely irresponsible with as he was living at Joe Biden's home in Delaware where there were unlocked classified documents dealing with the country that he was exclusively a board member with making $80,000 a month despite having no experience in natural gas and, and uh, Ukrainian law? Oh, that's right. But he was only irresponsible with his, uh, with his finances. He wasn't irresponsible at all with those classified documents that Burisma probably would have loved to have gotten their hands on. No, 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 no. He wasn't irresponsible with those at all, man. What are you talking about? Completely <laughs> followed. It's totally fine to store classified documents in your garage and the like. Don't worry about it, man. It's fine. There's no reason to worry about that stuff. None. This is a this is a guy that at one point was so desperate that he said he snorted Parmesan cheese out of the carpet. Just keep that in mind. Look, man, I've had my days of partying and getting wrecked and... <clears throat> doing my fair share of drugs. I don't think I've ever snorted Parmesan off the carpet because I was hard up for a buzz. Like <laughs> that's kind of the stoner's equivalent of scraping the bowl for all that nasty gookie resin and actually smoking that garbage. Like that's no, just no, like no, no, no. Who, who snorts Parmesan off the carpet, man? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I, Parmesan, I guess like a chunk of Parmesan could look like a crack rock, but that also kind of who's snorting crack rocks. Well, that's a good point, too. Well, I mean, if it's grated, do you use a Parmesan? I, I have no idea. I've never even seen. I've never smoked rock. crack. I've never even. Yeah, I've never even seen crack in person. I don't even know, like the first thing about smoking crack, but I'd imagine you don't snort hunks of it. Like, I don't I don't know, man. I. How much of this shit are we really supposed to take seriously coming from this guy? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't take any of it seriously. All right, here's another story from Fox News. Judge rules no bail release for FBI informant accused of lying about Biden business ties. Now, this is, of course, Alexander Smirnoff, who we talked about last week. He was arrested uh, for lying to the FBI because that's the cool thing to do now is just arrest uh Anybody that has bad information against you for lying to the FBI while allowing people that flat out lied to the FBI and uh, interfered in an election, hashtag Christopher Steele, to let them go completely free. Peter Strzok, who planned an insurrection against the United States government, and had the means and, and capabilities of doing so uh, through his text messages with uh, with Lisa Page. But yeah, let's let's just go ahead and let those people go. And we'll go after Alexander Smirnoff because he lied. We still don't know exactly what the lie is. 
But uh, as we were talking about yesterday, the, the McIntyre tweet on, on X is insane. The amount of information in there. But he was arrested, let go, rearrested for the same exact warrant, the same exact crime. You know, nothing new. It wasn't a violation of his breach uh, of, of his bond or anything like that. And now he's been rearrested again, and he's going to be held without bail this time. It says a California judge, federal judge on Monday, denied a bail release to ex-FBI informant Alexander Smirnoff, who stands accused of lying about the Biden family's business ties. Lawyers for Smirnoff argued that he had already invested a significant funding into his efforts to defeat the charges, indicating that he had no intention to flee. Quote, he didn't try to run. He didn't try to move money said his lawyer, David Chesnoff. Uh, it goes on to say the defense countered that they were willing to pay for 24-7 private security to ensure, to ensure Smirnoff did not flee. They also committed to renting an apartment in Los Angeles for the duration of the trial rather than returning to his home in Las Vegas, but the judge dismissed those efforts. Smirnoff has been transferred to California from Nevada for his trial. Prosecutors have charged him with peddling lies, quote, that could impact U.S. elections, highlighting his alleged lies about a supposed multi-million dollar bribery scheme involving the Bidens and the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. This is going to be the 2016's equivalent or the 2024 equivalent of the 2016 Russia collusion steel dossier. The FBI is lying off their out of their ass there. I don't know if they're lying directly or if somebody is, uh, you know, manipulating them the same way that the FBI was, was, uh, was, you know, essentially manipulated in, in 2016, who knows what's actually going on here, but this is all going to blow back in their face. There is far more evidence that Smirnoff is factually correct although he might be slightly off, you know, which is you not know, a willful, you know, lie, uh, then there is any uh, information that he's flat out lying. I mean, we've got everything. Yeah, it's um, again, it goes back to the whole they really don't want this election to happen. So they're seeding narratives all over the place for certain things which may boil over to a point that cause an election to be postponed or canceled. That's what they want. They don't. It goes back to the fact they know they can't steal this election. I know that I'm going to get met with a lot of shit for that. And there's people out there that are, you know, vote harder. You know, voting doesn't matter. I'm tired of hearing that shit. Like there's and you especially as you know, you and Ash do why we vote every Friday. And it's like I've brought up what happened in North Carolina in 2022 ad nauseum till the damn cows came home, getting tired of me beating the dead horse. Like I do not believe for one second that every single county and every single machine in this country is corrupt. And I do not believe for one second that every single election is stolen and that every single election has the ability of being stolen. Like I said, if that were the case, if they could steal this election as easily as they stole 2020, why are they putting forth so much effing effort to keep him from even running? If they knew they could steal the election, they just let him run unabated and steal it again. Like, no big deal. They know they can't do that. That's why they're trying a million other things to stop him from entering. When they realize that when they come to the realization that they won't be able to keep him off the ballot, that he's not going to be convicted, that nothing's going to keep him from being able to run for president of the United States, then you're going to see them really start going after the election, is my guess. You're going to start to see things get awfully scary in the realm of like, because you got to think if a pandemic didn't stop the election, it's going to have to be something pretty serious to stop an election. And I don't put anything past them. That's not me fear mongering. That's me saying that like, even with 
I've said it on the on the uh, Q show and I the storm many times. Like I do believe Patriots are in control from a standpoint of game theory, five GW chess, right? Like you can play chess and have somebody in checkmate 20 moves before they realize it, but they're still going to take some pieces from you before you get that checkmate, right? That's how I view the deep state right now. They're backed into a corner. They've been game to a point where they cannot win, but it does not mean that these people who have been in power for thousands of years, all of a sudden have no power to pull off anything anywhere. I don't buy that. Like they still have things they can do and tricks they can play and, games they can they can unload on all of us to try to gain their narrative back now i don't think they're going to they're not going to get their narrative back and they're not going to seek the control they they wanted that's what part of all of this is about and all this exposure is about but at the same time it doesn't mean they're not going to try dude they're damn sure going to try and we're seeing them start to try now with with some of these overtures toward uh the gulf of tonkin incidents you know this drone went after this ship and this happened over here and you're almost expecting these things to escalate to a bigger a bigger point but they haven't yet it's not me saying they're going to, but they're going to try to. And I suspect their real heavy hit against the election will come after it's airtight proven that Donald Trump is going to be able to run for president. And there's nothing they can do to stop him. Once they realize that, all bets are off insofar as what they may try to do to stop the election. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think you're right about that. But at the same time, I think a lot of this could be uh, not just narrative seeding for right now but narrative seating for after the 2024 election so that they can look back the same way they did in 2020 they can look back and say you know oh uh you know we kind of saw this coming already look at these articles that were written about this same instance you know back then uh if you look at 2020 when they had you know some of the some of the think tanks that they put together to go after uh the narratives about the hunter biden laptop and everything else like that and when they put these seeds out there saying you know um we knew that this was going on. We knew that this could, was a possibility that something like this could happen, Russian interference, Ukrainian interference, whatever it may be. And then they, they, they sow that narrative after they steal it, and then they go back and say, look, but they, here's the thing is they don't care. They don't care if people know. They just want to be able to manipulate the, the small you know, faction of their uh, elite, their, their uh, 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 what would you call them? They're diehards, I guess. They want to sow that narrative into the faction of their diehards to keep the 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 chaos going on social media, et cetera, and so that they can, you know, there is no general consensus of the people. That as long as they can thwart that idea, then their narrative is all that matters. If they can seed that narrative and run that narrative, it doesn't matter what the actual truth is. You know what I'm saying? Like, am I am I explaining that in a bad way? No, it's it's almost well, and well, it is their belief. Just keep running the lie until people right. believe the lie. Like that's that's um that's actually a, a age old communist tactic. Just keep repeating yep. the lie until people don't care enough to keep fighting the lie. And then you, and that's ultimately one of the reasons I'm so against black pills too, because that's a communist tactic. These are all rolled into making you not care. Like ultimately, if they if they keep rolling out the lie and you keep rolling out the truth and your truth keeps getting ignored, eventually you're gonna be like. You know what? Hell with it. Fine. Let people believe what they want to believe. Well, that's exactly what they want. They want you yep. to give up so they can keep rolling. And eventually enough people say, you know what? Screw this to where their narrative is the only one standing. And that's why we, this movement, is such a thorn in the deep state side, because we don't let these narratives go. and We don't let them fade into the night so they can keep droning them on until they become truth. And that's one of the biggest, uh, biggest thorns in their side, I think, in all of this, man, is we've not... Uh, we don't we don't let any of these narratives ride very long. And, and if they try to keep going on with the same thing, we just beat it the hell up like it's yep. it absolutely is a narrative war.
Here's here's a, a tweet from uh, Kane Coe the Great that I meant to play earlier, but I had to do some shuffling around before the show because I wanted to move the order of things up a little bit, and so I forgot to bring this up there. But this is this is tying back into the uh, the SBU and the GUR and the CIA affiliations in Ukraine. And uh, check this out. I guess I should translate this as we go. It says, uh, in November 2023, I was recruited by the main director of intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine via internet. I was trained in working with special communications, collecting and detonating explosive devices and working with caches. On January 31st, I received a task from the curator to pick up an explosive device. Hold on, let me... To pick up an explosive device, geez, Louise, I'm failing, from a hiding place and use it to blow up a car. What was promised to you? $4,000 in cash. Were the explosive device supposed to be used? It says, in the underground parking lot of the Four Seasons Hotel in Moscow, I was supposed to pick up the explosive device from a hiding place and place it under the car. Who was it planned for? I wasn't told. Do you know who the target was now? Yes, American journalist Tucker Carlson. What went wrong? I was detained at the preparation stage. I'm sorry for what I did. So there we go. In other words, Ukrainians plan to blow up Tucker Carlson. So... <clears throat> Four Seasons, huh? You mean like the Four Seasons at the hotel in Vegas? You mean like the Four Seasons Rudy was across the street from when he was sweating brown and talking about election interference? There's a whole lot going on here that makes me think there's there's some comms going on. Like there's there's a little bit of white hat shit being exerted right now. Like he just talked for 30 seconds and pinged like four different things <laughs> off, the, off the damn keyboard and the stuff that I follow, man. And beyond that it's um again me and you talk at the top of the show all this cia dirt's coming out at the same time like throwing all these sorts of folks under the bus at the same time where is that coming from like that's a, that's a little bit dasting and um it would certainly be interesting if this if this pans out to to be true that's um you know i i don't know Either which I don't I don't know who this dude is giving this testimony at all. Don't know how much he can be relied. Don't know how much the, the any of it. But it certainly seems to fit with everything else we've seen over there, right? Like it certainly seems to fit with the narrative they've got going around. It certainly seems to fit. Like why wouldn't why wouldn't they want to take a shot at Tucker while he was over there? Like conversely, why wouldn't the good guys maybe potentially plan a story about this possibly happening to put more heat on the CIA and their corruption? Who knows, man? But this is really really interesting and also yesterday there was like five or six stories yesterday that related to bomb threats or bombs or things of that nature that i think um yeah. late last oh, night God. terminal b was cleared out at orlando international airport because of a bomb threat there was a bomb threat somewhere else and then of course there was donald trump jr getting the envelope yesterday like yesterday had a lot of these kind of things going on that seemed to be shots across the bow or or it, not quite obviously not kinetic warfare, but seems to be an escalation almost is, is what I'm going for. I guess I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say, but it was an interesting day yesterday in that regard. There were a lot of these little things that were kind of all over the place that, um, 
really point toward the war going on right now, man. It's not, it's not static. It's not just sitting there, not moving. That's for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the four seasons like that. Cause didn't Joe Biden meet with the Chinese, both at the four seasons in DC and the four seasons in <laughs> yes. Ireland? Yes, he did. And did he, was it the four seasons or the Ritz Carlton that Hunt, Hunter met with the Chinese in China? That one I cannot answer, but I'm going to, for, for narrative sake, let's just guess it was the Four Seasons, because why wouldn't it have been? Yeah, I, I think that one might have been the Ritz, but I know that the, the other ones were the Four, excuse me, the Four Seasons. But all right, let's jump into this. Uh, well, this isn't really a story. This is just, I can't believe Sky News sat down with Nancy Pelosi. Like Pelosi sat down with Sky News, but check out this clip. Nancy Pelosi, who last week we covered, could not remember Donald Trump's name after just mentioning Donald Trump's name, is now talking about Donald Trump being mentally unfit as Joe Biden literally has missed uh, three now. He's, 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 he's insurrect or uh, excuse me resurrected two dead foreign leaders to talk to them about j6 after j6 happened after they died so that's two and then he mislabeled uh our our neighbor to the south mexico as the Isra uh, egyptian president al-assisi and uh who's the other one that he just oh well, i mean look there's the jackie uh what's her last name the congresswoman that died he's miss just just check this out Europeans here are worried. They see America and they say America is stepping back. You've dealt with Donald Trump. What advice would you give them? Him? Have an intervention into your mental health, <laughs> your political viability. He's, a, he's really grotesque and it's really a shame. And I never could talk politics when I go overseas. <laughs> Because um, that's just the way we have always been very bipartisan. We have our differences and we criticize the president at home. And that, I might hesitation to do that. But uh, the uh, he has ventured into a the global scene by his chumminess with Putin. Dude. So so after Trump's victory in South Carolina, I played this clip the other day where MSNBC was like, Donald Trump couldn't remember the governor of South Carolina's name, so he called him Mr. Governor. He couldn't remember his name. As he's calling him Mr. Governor, he refers to him by the first name Henry. He also looks at um, uh, his sheet and calls him McMaster, Governor McMaster, before looking at his, at his notes on his, on his stand or whatever. But prior to that, he did a speech in South Carolina. He did a speech at the Black uh, Conservative Foundation, and he did another speech in South Carolina. The dude is a machine. He'll go out there and do three or four hours of speeches in a day. Joe Biden can't talk for more than five minutes, but he's the one who's mentally uh, incompetent. And Nancy Pelosi saying she doesn't expect, uh, discuss politics when she's abroad is hilarious. Right. I literally played a video on Eye of the Storm the other night of Nancy Pelosi talking about her. I think it was 2014 trip to North Korea in which they discussed politics. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, dude, the, the frightening speed at which these people kick out lies is it would be commendable if it weren't lies they were kicking out. Like if they were this productive in any other if they were this productive as politicians, 
holy shit, we wouldn't be in the position we're in. Imagine if they put as much effort into taking care of this country as they do into spinning up bullshit about Donald Trump and, you know, how much they actually hate liberty, we'd be set. We wouldn't be worried about a damn thing. To be fair to Nancy, she might not talk politics when she goes over there. As Sammy literally just said, as I'm starting to say this, they discuss business because she goes to Taiwan. Fair. Make the make the NVIDIA investment. Yeah. So so maybe maybe Nancy's not entirely full of shit, just all the way up to her mid forehead. She hasn't gone all the way up to the hairline yet, uh, but but she's close. Man, the spammers are for real today. See what happens when you talk about the CIA? Spammers are off the chain today. All right, let's jump into this story here. Uh, I I believe uh, we've got the Fannie Willis uh, hearing coming up today. I believe I think it is right. I think it's today this afternoon. But anyways, from Jonathan Turley, friends with benefits, telephone records raise new challenges in the Willis Wade testimony. This is a precursor to another story, guys. This is kind of a rehash, but we're going to talk a little bit more about this. In a new court filing, counsel for defendants in the 2020 election case have submitted telephone records indicating that Willis and Wade exchanged over 2,000 phone calls in the first 11 months of 2021. Guys, I've been married for 15 years, and I don't know if I've exchanged 2,000 phone calls with my wife. How the hell has she dealt with you for 15 years? She's an incredible woman. She's she deserves a medal and a trophy. She deserves a trophy with a medal on it. She does. I, I'm not. I'm not denying this. Reading I mean, on, I love you, but my God, <laughs> no, Christy's the best. Uh, investigator awesome. Charles Middlestat submitted an affidavit discussing 2,000 vo- voice calls and un- just under 12,000 text messages. Now that we probably could beat in 15 years, 12,000 texts, we probably beat that. Uh, From the 11th month period of January to November 2021, that averages out to about 35 text messages per day. Uh, Challengers are claiming that the records indicate that Wade may have been over her house as many as 30 times during that period. The allegations could be more serious, though. Wade and Willis are prosecuting defendants for filing false papers and making false statements to the courts. They are now accused of the same conduct including allegedly lying under oath. Willis did file a response this week, and in that response she said, quote, the records do not prove in any way the content of the communications between Special Prosecutor Wade and Willis. They do not prove that Special Prosecutor Wade was ever at any particular location or address. They do not prove that Special Prosecutor Wade or DA Willis were ever in the same place during any of the times listed because phone devices lie, apparently. Hmm. This is after a couple years of the government telling us that they could find out exact locations of Patriots on J6 because of their phone. Bingo. Bingo. One of these is not like the other. A lot of J6ers need to submit that Fannie Willis uh, uh, motion, or not motion, response right there. They need to bring that up as Brady violations. Why didn't Fannie come out and tell us that that cell phone data is not admissible in court? Yeah, pretty crazy. Nothing. Imagine All right, that. So, so here's another article. We've got one more after this, and this is kind of the the, the, the breaking kind of news here. From AJC Politics, uh, judge says law partner must testify about Willis and Ray, Wade's relationship. The judge determined, uh, Scott McAfee, Judge Scott McAfee, uh, determined that Nathan Wade's former law partner and divorce lawyer must tell the court what he knows about the special prosecutor's relationship with DA Fannie Willis. Judge Scott McAfee's chambers notified attorneys certain communications Terrence Bradley had with Wade are not protected by attorney-client privilege. This was the uh, you know subject. This is kind of why they, you know, 
disrupted the court last time when Ash and I were streaming it because they had no idea whether this guy actually even knew what attorney client privilege was after he just kind of pierced it. My wife made fun of me for saying pierced. And I was like, she's like, it's not pierced. It's broken. I was like, no, it's pierced. And that's specifically the terms that they were using as well. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, this whole case is falling apart. And like I've said, this case was destined to fall apart at some point. And I think this could be a little bit of an explanation as to how it's falling apart. Who, And this is just my opinion here. But this is from Breitbart. Biden administration planted operative Jeff DeSantis in Fannie Willis's office to target Trump, sources say. Now, it says here, Breitbart News granted the sources anonymity, which I hate that. I hate anonymity, but whatever. I understand it, but I don't like it. To discuss the attorney's office for fear of retribution. The sources have direct knowledge of the environment at the district attorney's office, which they characterized as quote unquote corrupt. One significant figure is overlooked in the Fulton County scandal. Meet Jeff DeSantis, the county's deputy district attorney with professional experience far greater than the average county employee. DeSantis worked on Willis's 2020 campaign and was the former executive director of the Democratic Party of Georgia with extensive knowledge of campaign finance law. He was also the deputy director of compliance for the DNC. Uh, Jeff has worked for, and from his official bio, Jeff has worked for candidates in 30 states running for a variety of offices, including President of the United States, U.S. Senator, Governor, U.S. Representative, AG, District Attorney, and Mayor, as well as for national political party committees. Jump down here, it says, quote, DeSantis did this, one source told Breitbart News about the Trump case. He's the one. He is the one pulling all the strings. He was the one that walled over Will, walled her off, meaning Willis. He was in every important meeting. He is the brainchild behind this. That is the connection to the White House. DeSantis is the only one pulling the strings on this whole thing. Everybody heard Fanny testify. It's no secret she's not smart. That is how she sounds and acts every day of the week. She is an idiot. <laughs> she is an idiot. I mean, plain and simple. If you don't know that now, she is an idiot. She's arguably the dumbest lawyer I've ever seen speak. Like, traditionally, lawyers are not very stupid people. She's stupid. Like, she's nope. legitimately stupid. It's 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 appalling how stupid she is to hold such a position. Yep. Actually, no, it's not. I take that back. It's par for the course. <laughs> it says, quote, anyone that has common sense knows that the White House has been involved in this prosecution. This shouldn't just miraculously happen. Of course, Willis is not going to prosecute the former president of the United States without the current administration's approval. Sources speculated that DeSantis was instrumental in selecting grand jurors for the Trump case based on voter registration data. That's a bold statement right there. It says part of why you're raising, quote, part of why you're raising money as a candidate is to get money to buy the data about who are your voters. DeSantis is the former head of the state Democratic Party. He's going to know, you know, that the data, he's going to know the data in Georgia. There's no, not one conservative person on that grand jury. And then lastly, and here's another shocking development right here. Wade is, the, the, the source says that, quote, Wade is a prosecutor on the Trump case and he selected the office employees. It said a source told Breitbart News that Wade made the decision to hire or fire employees in the district attorney's office following Willis's election in November 2020, according to multiple sources familiar with Wade and Willis's relationship. 
Wade's previously unreported position as the former personal decision maker raises ethical and conflict of interest questions. And then lastly, it was obvious, quote unquote obvious, that Willis and Wade had an affair in 2020, one year before Willis launched her probe into Trump, and DeSantis would know about it. And so the reason I read all of that about this Jeff DeSantis guy, who's allegedly the inside connection between the Willis campaign and the Willis uh, prosecution and the White House, is that would be the guy that called Willis on Monday and told, or on Sunday night and said, you have to prosecute Trump tomorrow. You have to indict him tomorrow, according to Newt Gingrich and his intel sources, or uh, uh, excuse me, uh, anonymous sources. I think this is the guy that got the word, implode this case. And I think that he reached out to a specific attorney and fed all of this information to them and said, this is how you get this case dismissed. That's just my thought right now. And I could go a few different ways on this, man. And I apologize, but I'm going to have to bring Q into this because the odds to me <clears throat> that the fellow that Biden planted just happens to share the same last name, albeit with different spelling of Ron DeSantis is not lost on me. Um, so I said to you before, quite a while before, that either A, they got to a discovery phase behind closed doors and these folks realized that Trump isn't bullshit and it's time to throw this case out the door. They're screwed. Or B, um, the deep state was in fact going to pull some lawfare shenanigans to get Trump locked up or have him lose this case. And it's in fact the good guys that said torpedo this case. So that can't happen. I don't know which one it is right now. The case is torpedoing. And I'll say this too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about judge McAfee. So I'm not going to, um, speculate or speak to his policies or stuff he's ruled on because I honestly don't know. I've not put the research into him. But I'll say this. A couple things he said pertaining to this case lead me to believe that even if he is a leftist judge, they have pissed him off something serious with their disrespect of the court because he doesn't at this juncture, as opposed to, let's say, a month, two months ago, he doesn't seem to be going along with them that well anymore. Like, it seems like they've made a farce of his court and he's had it. And... um. You know, I brought the point up to, to my wife a few weeks ago, uh, just in chat. I was like, you know, like, yeah, a lot of these judges are compromised, but a lot of judges have egos, too. So even if they're compromised and they're on your same side and you're still going to come into their court and make a fool of them and a fool of their courtroom, it doesn't matter if they're a leftist on your side. Their ego is going to speak and say, no, you're not going to do this in my courtroom. Who the hell are you? Get back in line. So, again, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Ultimately who's shaking this tree loose in Georgia. But there is a lot of movement going on here that leads me to believe that they're not getting what they wanted out of this thing. And they may be self-sabotaging it. And that's kind of where my gut's at right now. But again, this could have been the play from Trump all along, man. We just, and at this point with Donald Trump, I've learned not to rule anything out because every, every time I've, every time I've said in the past, Oh, he's not doing that. A couple months later it comes out and I'm like, that's exactly what he was doing. Holy shit. How smart is this guy? Like, so I don't, I don't know what's going on here, man, but this, yeah, this case is absolutely falling apart at record speed. Yeah. This is, this is the only case I've said all along. This is the only case. Well, I guess maybe the New York Alvin Bragg case that we always forget about where Alvin Bragg came up with a novel legal theory using a federal felony that still is unnamed to uh, circumvent the statute of limitations and bring the hush money payment case. 
That one could be bad, but I think that one's the biggest joke out of all of them. Imagine indicting somebody and saying, yeah, we're using a federal felony that uh, we're not going to tell you what it is. But because of that federal felony, we can bring up a misdemeanor charge that passed the statute of limitations. That one's a joke. But the reason I bring up that case along with the Georgia case is because those are the only two that President Trump would not be able to pardon himself from if he wins in 2024 because they're state cases. All the other cases, the the Cannon case, the uh, the Jack Smith case, the Chutkin case up in D.C., all of those he can pardon himself from. Now, again, uh, one would say, like, if you look at Joe Biden right now, if Joe Biden were to pardon himself, that would be career suicide. I mean, there would be massive uh, uprisings over him doing that. However, if Trump does that, we elected him in 2024. We will have elected him knowing that there was a strong possibility of this. And in fact, his, his popularity rises with it. So it's almost like it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's accepted that he's going to pardon himself if he's convicted in, in any of these cases in 2025, whereas Joe would be doing it retroactively. He, he, uh, obfuscated all that information in the build up to the 2020 election. And then once he's, you know, found, well, he, he, he doesn't even have to be found guilty. He can, you know, pardon himself, uh, and, and just drop the cases altogether. That would be detrimental. So that's, that's, again, that's a long way of me saying that's why the Georgia case being dropped is really important. But at the same time, like you said, uh, Paul, they're really turning the screws on this Fulton case and, and going to the election, you know, I talk about the state election board complaints that have been submitted by by Joe Rossi and, and, and Kevin Moncla that show just astronomical amounts of evidence that there was uh, at not not necessarily fraud, but 100 percent unverifiability of the of the official results in Georgia. And those state election board complaints. Think about this. Think about this. Those state election board complaints, some of them have been pending longer than the investigation into Donald Trump, and he's already going to trial. Think about that. Right. Speaks a lot to lawfare, right? Like, yes, we won't look at these legitimate election cases. We'll just continue to harangue this guy that's done nothing wrong in an effort to keep him away from said election. Exactly. That almost says right. more than anything. <laughs> so let's take a real quick look. At what will happen if uh, if Fannie Willis is uh, disqualified from this case, hopefully impeached as the district attorney and hopefully arrested and charged with perjury. Uh, if that were the case and she gets kicked off, it would go. The decision on what to do would go to this man right here. Uh, his name is Peter. <laughs> you can't make up this last name. Peter Scandalakis. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, tell me we're watching an effing show without telling me we're watching a show, dude. You've got to be kidding me. No, you can't make that up. His name is Peter Scandal for short. <laughs> so, anyways, he is the, uh, he is the executive. He is the deputy. No, no. He is the administrator, the executive officer of the uh, prosecutor's attorney's council of Georgia. And uh, here's a, just a clip from the New York Times right here. It says, if Fannie is removed, it would uh, be up to the state entity called the Prosecuting Attorneys Council of Georgia to find someone else to take up the case. More specifically, the decision would fall to the council's executive director, Peter Scandalakis, an experienced former prosecutor. He could ask a prosecutor to take on the Trump, uh, to take on the Trump case voluntarily. 
but he could also appoint a prosecutor to do the job, whether they want to or not. He could also try to find a lawyer in the private practice to do it, but they'd only be able to pay about 70 bucks an hour. So that's not likely. And then uh, as it says, options may be limited uh, because few prosecuting offices in Georgia have the size or the budgets to try a complex racketeering case that has 15 defendants, among them a former president. Uh, Scandalakis could actually take the case himself, uh, but none of that's likely. The only thing that I could see happening is uh, either DeKalb County, Georgia's DA taking it over or Cobb County, Georgia's DA taking it over, because those are the only two uh, prosecutors, uh, prosecuting offices, district attorneys in Georgia that really would have the uh, resources to be able to go after a case this big. But to be honest with you, <laughs> Scandalakis is a Republican. I don't know where his you know political, whether he's a never Trumper or Rhino, whatever. I don't care about all that. Anybody with half a brain would just wipe this 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 case away. Just how, get rid of it. How glorious would it be for like her to get removed? He takes over, says this is all bullshit. We're dropping the case, and I'm now charging her with perjury, such and such and such and such. How amazingly glorious! If that happens, then I'm going to go with the white hats were the ones that torpedoed this case because the black hats were going to do something to falsely convict Donald Trump, like. I need to see that for 20 for my 2024 bingo card. I need to see Mr. Scandalakis come in and just clean house and be like, no, this is all bullshit. I don't think that'll happen, but I need to see it. Maybe they read my article in Gateway Pundit where I said uh, they're going after the wrong group for RICO charges. The people prosecuting this RICO case are part of the RICO case that should actually be brought against county election officials, high ranking and not 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 the grassroots or not, not grassroots. Like ground floor level people it's like she literally said in her hearing last week i'm not the one that's on trial here these people are on trial for trying Should to steal be. the 2020 election i'm sitting there going interesting you said that wait a couple months <laughs> yeah i was about to say yeah just wait just wait just wait we'll see where this goes it side note before before uh we move on to to that hideous chud of a human being um did you see the picture of nathan wade's wife Yes, and people what? are saying, "Why would you pass on that for Fanny? She cheated on him first." To be fair, is she? Oh, yeah, she cheated well, on him first. Well, yeah, and yeah, so well, in twenty in, in twenty fifteen, she cheated on him, and they essentially decided that their relationship was over, but they would stay married for the benefit of their children until they were uh, old enough to go to college. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, she's a looker, and Fanny Willis is a. Uh, a vote regardless grade. of her cheating on him first still how do you downgrade that far like have you I seen mean, fanny's pooch she's got a huge old pouch in that dress that she might or might not have been wearing backwards i've seen some say it's backwards some say it's not i've seen both sides man i've I seen could, both sides i could go on a rip against fanny but sadly i don't think any of it would be very um doable for a morning news show like there's <laughs> A few things from both Carlin and Robin Williams stand-ups that apply to her that. Uh, yeah. All <sighs> right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our next sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into our next sponsor. We got a few more articles to get through today. 
Are you guys concerned about the $6 trillion at stake in the upcoming 2024 election? The Wall Street Journal has reported a critical issue, the looming decisions on extending tax cuts scheduled to expire after 2025. Republicans advocate for extending the Trump tax cuts while Democrats lean towards letting them expire and increasing taxes on top earners and corporations, potentially creating a massive $6 trillion gap. But fear not, there's a way to protect yourself from this impending threat. Join the thousands of hardworking Americans who are taking proactive steps to safeguard their savings. Visit Badlands gold.com to claim your free 24 gold and silver kit and fortify everything you've worked for you may even qualify for 10 percent back in bonus silver but hurry supplies are limited don't leave your financial future to chance act now and diversify and shield your savings against the uncertainties ahead get your free 2024 gold and silver kit today at badlandsgold.com and take control of your financial destiny again that's badlandsgold.com for your free 2024 uh gold and silver investment kit all right actually you know what let's hit our last sponsor too and then we can uh we can we can drive this show home and uh actually maybe not actually no we can't i'm sorry i screwed that up all right let's go ahead job to do dude you had one I job know, I had one job and I had, I didn't even do it. I failed. All right, this is from the AP. Donald Trump appeals $454 million judgment in the New York civil fraud case. The biggest takeaway from this, well, let's read through it. Trump's lawyers wrote in court papers that they're asking the appeals court to decide whether Engron, quote unquote, committed errors of law and of fact, and whether the, he abused his discretion or, quote unquote, acted in excess of his jurisdiction. Trump's lawyers will have an opportunity to expand their grievances in subsequent court filings. Trump was not required to pay his penalty or post a bond in order to appeal, and appealing will not automatically halt enforcement of the judgment. The Republican president has until March 25th to secure a stay. Trump would receive an automatic stay if he puts up the money, assets, or an appeal bond covering what he owes. Trump's lawyers could ask the appeals court to grant a stay as well. Uh, jump down here and says Trump's lawyers have long argued that some of the allegations against him are barred by the statute of limitations, contending that Engron failed to comply with an appellate division court, an appellate division ruling last year that he narrowed the scope of the trial to weed out outdated accusations. The appellate division could either uphold Engron's verdict, reduce or modify the penalty or, or overturn the decision entirely. If Trump is unsuccessful at the appellate division, he can ask the state's highest court, the Court of Appeals, to consider taking his case. So a couple things to unpack there. It's, it's really uh, a good thing that he doesn't have to post this this bond or or the uh you know put the money into escrow the 454 million into escrow in order to appeal this that to me is one of the most absurd uh rules or laws in new york that i could ever imagine you know if you don't think you were given proper justice that's okay comply with the justice and then it's like a poll tax essentially if you want if you want to be able to appeal this you have to pay us first and then you can appeal it even though you probably can't afford it that's insane. New York's just become a full-blown kangaroo court banana republic is what it is. Like and and I've I've had people on on my profiles like my accounts and stuff comment back and say, "Well, yeah, he just, you know, he's I think it was what he made 4 billion or something and people are like, "Well, 300, he's got billions and billions. 300, 400 million doesn't matter." I'm like, "That's not the effing point." Right. Like it of course he's got the money to put it in escrow so he can appeal this, but that's not the point. You shouldn't have to put the money in escrow to appeal a legal decision in this country. That's the point. Like right. it um 
you shouldn't be put into a position where you can't afford to defend yourself or have an adequate defense or an adequate appeal in this country to a legal decision. That's that is a banana republic like putting you if he were any other person that didn't have billions of dollars in the bank, they'd be screwed with absolutely no recourse for legal repercussion or legal appeals. That's not right. That is a banana republic by its definition. Like that is that's what the state of New York has slipped into. And the rest of the country is going to follow unless we we don't wake up, which, again, that's not a black pilly comment. I think we are waking up and we're seeing a lot of exposure and a lot of people like, no, we're done with this. And it has to keep up or else we are going to end up like New York and, and California writ large, like whole countrywide. That's we ain't going to have it. And it's um <clears throat> this thing in New York, man, that just I can't when you when you said that last week. I was like, that that's unbelievable. It's it's I don't know how over the past week it's gotten even more unbelievable and absurd that you have to come up with that kind of money to put an escrow to appeal a decision. Like, give me a break, dude. Come on. It's it is it is not at all like giving two hundred dollars for a security deposit when you move into a new house. <laughs> like they're a little bit different. Like this, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Well, and what's even worse than that is Letitia James going out there every single day and posting, oh, 114,000 more added to it, 114,000 more added to it, like it's a campaign pitch. You're supposed to be, justice is supposed to be blind. You're supposed to be an elected official, official for all the people. You're supposed to exert a little bit of professionalism, just a little bit. And it's not professional to sit there. I mean, in, in sports, that's not acceptable. You know, no. you don't turn around and win the Super Bowl and then turn around and go to your opponent. Ha ha, bitch, you lost by seven. You know, you don't you don't do that. That's just not right. what you do. And this right. is this is a completely different facet here. You're talking about hundreds of million dollars of millions of dollars, political persecution. What she's doing is absolutely disgusting. She should absolutely be censured, uh, sanctioned, whatever you want to call it uh, for, for what she's doing. But to take it even further, Paul, I just love this line right here. This line right here, contending that Engron failed to comply with an appellate division ruling. What is the appellate court going to do when Trump gets in front of them and says, hey, guys, you ruled this? He didn't do it. What hey, remember, are you going to do about that? Remember that thing I said a few minutes ago about judges not taking too kindly when their court gets shit upon or embarrassed? Yes. Yep. That's pretty much what Engron just did all over the appellate court or appellate court don't think they're going to react kindly because they literally told him before this narrow the scope, dude, it's a little bit too wide. Well, he not only did not narrow the scope, he widened the scope and then acted on that and still ruled against Donald Trump. This is, and this is why <clears throat> the day that decision came out, me and a few others like, yeah, they're not going to see a penny of that money. Like this is not going to hold up an appeals court. And I, that's the way we're heading here. And I think what we're seeing here, ultimately, if I want to take a 40,000 foot view on this case and on the Georgia case, we're getting a crash course, number one, in civics in this country. Number two, we're getting a crash course in exactly how corrupt these court systems are. And everybody, you know, just about everybody in this country at least knows what's going on here. And as this continues to unfold and the corruption just gets deeper and deeper and um, exposed more and more, I, I can't sit here and say that's not one of the purposes of all of this is to show people how corrupt the justice system is. I mean, there are. There and I'm not even going to single it out to just minorities living in poverty or middle class or below that line in America. There, there are people of all backgrounds living in that that economic divide in America, right? If you're in that area in the economy or below, and you have to go up against the legal system or you get into some trouble with the law, it's almost hopeless for you. And that's kind of what's being shown here is that look, they'll do it to Donald Trump too. So we need to fix this. Um, 
and that that's where I come at it with. I think there is, you know, I, I know plenty of people in my personal life that are seeing this stuff with him and their decision of who they're going to vote for in November has been changed because of these, these legal cases against Trump, because of the way they're hunting him and, and going at him with every little thing. It's literally that stuff that has made two people in my personal life go, you know what? They don't usually attack somebody like that unless they're a threat to them. So I don't know why they keep doing this to Donald Trump. I can't stand him as a person, but I'm voting for him in November. Yep. Like that's it's it's happening. Well, my wife to me the other day was telling me, she's like, why can't somebody else just do, you know, why can't somebody else take Trump's place? Like they, they'd be more popular. And I was like, you don't understand. He's the only person that can do this. He's got four years. Then he's done. Give zero fucks. Just push through and do whatever you got to do. Right. There's you know, it was, shirt I'm wearing today. <laughs> I love it. I love this it. This is one of my favorite shirts, man. I'm rocking out my uh, 1776 Sons of Liberty shirt underneath my my hoodie, so we're kind of in the same same wavelength there, man. Um, but no, I think ultimately we're we're just seeing a huge exposure of corruption, and we're seeing more and more people get wise to it, man. That's what encourages me. It's when I see people in my personal life who were staunchly against Donald Trump two or three years ago, and now they're like, no, I'm voting for him because quite frankly, all this stuff is ridiculous. That's, I can't sit here and tell people that's not part of the purpose of this. And if I bring Q into it again, we were literally told it had to be this way. We were literally told you can't tell people you got to show them. And look, I, I said on I, the storm the other night, dude, I've been down the rabbit hole digging for truth since I was 11 years old. I'm 41. I've, I've never seen them this backed up or exposed and I've never seen them, this on front street. I've never seen them panicking this hard. It's, um, it's going to be something to behold the rest of this year, man. And, and look, when Trump gets back in, it doesn't mean everything's immediately fixed. The fight's not over. Like we, nope. we can't rest on our laurels. We've got to, we've got to keep pushing, man. But you can tell their panic is palpable, dude. And it's not, it's not fake. Uh, we're putting on a show panic. It's, we don't know what to do right now is, is what I'm seeing from these folks. And it's, um, Sounds weird, man, but the more chaotic they act, the more comfortable I get. Yep. And let's let's jump into this here from another another tweet today from Kanko the Great. Palantir co-founder JT Lonsdale warns that the two unprecedented rulings against Donald Trump and Elon Musk pose a significant threat to business and the rule of law in the United States of America. And then he goes on in another tweet to say that Jeb Bush, who I, I think Lonsdale was the uh the the ghostwriter for um Bush's uh book. He goes on in the next tweet to say, Jeb Bush is warning that the government's weaponization against Donald Trump and Elon Musk poses a grave threat to business and the rule of law in the United States of America. What in the hell is going on when Jeb Bush is going to bat for Donald Trump in these cases? Let's take a look at this clip here. Joining me now is co-founder of Palantir and managing partner of 8VC, Joe Lonsdale. Joe, thank you for being here. I'm curious, your co-author, Jeb Bush, no fan of Donald Trump. Why did he feel compelled to weigh in on this? You know, Michael, I, I've never given Donald Trump a cent either. Uh, you know, I'm, I love America. I've built a lot of businesses in this country. I love building, I love investing here. And this is very scary. I see, I see the government weaponized against my friend Elon Musk. And listen, I don't love Donald Trump, but I was just with a bunch of my business friends who don't love him either. And all of them thanked me for writing this. They said, Joe, this is scary. What they're telling me is that if I speak up, if I run for office, they're going to come and they're going to find a huge way to penalize me for something that's just absolutely ridiculous. Like everyone knows Donald Trump probably didn't do this perfectly, but they know that dozens of others didn't either. And it's obvious he's being penalized an insane amount of money because he's Donald Trump. And that's not how America is supposed to work. 
Okay, you know the arguments in opposition to this being quote unquote victimless. The, the idea is that he inflated his value, therefore was given preferential interest rates. Even if he repaid them, he took advantage of those banks. You would say what to that? I would say there's no one else in this country who would ever be fined even $50 million for this. It's, and, and finding him $400 million for this or whatever it is, is clearly because she's trying to get Donald Trump. And, it, and it's, it's the same thing with what's happening to Elon right now. It's activist judges who are saying, if you speak up, if you're a target of, of our political party, of our ideology, I mean, he, Elon has the DOJ going after him. Have, he has the Labor Department going after him. He has these fish and wildlife people delaying things for months for silly reasons, making him write book reports you know, to them. And the whole, the whole system right now is being weaponized and it's scary. And it's wrong. This is what happens in emerging markets. It's not what happens in great countries like America. And we All right. So there you have it. And I apologize. He's not his ghostwriter. He's his co-author in, in the Wall Street Journal op-ed. But, you know, along those same lines. So, so he comes out, Lonsdale comes out with that, you know, kind of stance against this as well as Jeb Bush, which is actually a little bit shocking. But then he kind of, you know, calls for like some sort of unity in terms of, you know, going after these persecutions. But then you have this wicked witch of the uh, South, I guess we'll call her, uh, you know, continuing on and, and kind of promoting this idea that that Donald Trump is is not going to be locked up. Well, now or is, is going to be locked up or, or the potential to be locked up. And now you've got this. The Koch Brothers Network stops spending on Nikki Haley's presidential campaign. And uh, before we get into this, I want to give you a chance to chime in on that. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, I wanted to give you a chance to chime in on on what we just listened to before I moved into this story. Oh yeah. Um. Again, it, it kind of plays into what I just said beforehand, right? Like people that aren't fans of Donald Trump or don't necessarily like him are seeing all this stuff and going, "This isn't right." Like I'm going to have to support him simply for the fact that what they're doing to him is un-American, and that's. I hate to say it, that plays right into five G warfare and. And all, of, yes, exactly. That's Donald Trump. Actually, let me see if I can go find that meme. I, I meme that a while ago. If, if I can find oh, that I meme, mean, I'll send it to you. I have that meme. I made a meme like that as well. Um, I, I, I we made the same meme. We probably did. Although yours is probably better because I'm not as good with the with the graphics as you are. But I, I did the same one. I said, "Strike me down." Uh, I think it was in regard to uh, the first indictment, the one at Mar-a-Lago, but. All right, while you're looking for that, let's jump into this story here. Americans for Prosperity will no longer spend money on behalf of Haley, the Nikki Haley campaign. The Coca Line Group will now focus its efforts on competitive Senate and House races. Yay, take your never Trump bullshit and move it into Congress, where you're going to do probably even more damage than in the presidency. Unlike the Club for Growth, another conservative group whose political action committee funded anti Trump ads last year before making peace with Trump. AFP is sticking by its position that Trump on the ballot will make it harder for the GOP to win in November. Uh, Seidel, who's the CEO of the AFP, said, quote, the last three election cycles have painted a very clear picture of what we can expect from voters who consistently rejected Donald Trump and his impact on the Republican Party brand. She noted Virginia State House elections last fall and special election in New York and Pennsylvania earlier this month as recent data points showing Republicans underperforming. Now, let me ask you something, Paul. What percentage of Donald Trump endorsed candidates win their elections? It's something like 97%, isn't it? 
It's huge. Like 97, 98%. It's huge. 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 It's, it's <laughs> huge. Okay. So when you sit here and, and use examples like uh, New York and Pennsylvania, I mean, when they talk about New, New York, they're talking about Phillips and her race. She's a never Trumper. You're talking about the 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 former new NYPD detective that's now running for Senate and beat Kara Castronova for that seat. The dude literally donated to Letitia James and 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 uh, 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 Andrew Cuomo. You know the, these are not these are not America First candidates. These are not MAGA people. So don't sit there and take the foul uh, the, the the inadequacies of the deep state putting out a candidate over you know the America First candidate. And, and then say, oh, they lost. It's Trump's fault. No, it's not. It's Ronna McDaniel's fault, for one. And thank God she's gone. She has been wildly awful as the RNC chairwoman. She hasn't won shit. Anything she's ever won, you can, the only thing she's won, you can chalk up to Donald Trump. So, hey, I love it. Get these get these shills out of here. The, the club for growth or club for no growth, as it's called. Uh, get them the hell out of here. You know, even though they're now making peace with Trump, you know, what, what, bite me once, shame on me, or fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on, or sh fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I hope Trump keeps that in the back of his mind. <laughs> you just went full-blown W with that, man. Never go full-blown W. <laughs> full-blown W? George Bush, he remember when he tried to say that saying, he oh, yeah. basically yeah. butchered it the same way you just did. Well, what can I say? I'm as dumb as he is. <laughs> hey, 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 I'll have none of that on this show. We will not disparage ourselves on this show, man. You calm down and take that back. I take it back. Thank Nobody's you. as dumb as George W. Bush. Except Joe Biden. Uh... No, at least George Bush could fight a fight, fly a fighter jet, right? Can Joe Biden fly a fighter jet? Sativa. <laughs> depends, depends. Somebody's yeah, like, oh, great. They got CanCon and, and abs talking about weed now. Yeah, oh, God forbid. It's going to turn into an activist show in the next few months here. No, we will not let no, that happen. We will not. No. Okay, go ahead. I want you. To, I want to allow you to comment on that. On uh, Oh, the, the, the comment? Yeah, the it Koch depends. brothers, man. They're backing it. They're, they're staying with Haley. <laughs> but now they're, now they're going to try and now they're going to try and fund Senate and congressional races. So they're going to they're going to they're going to say we're going to let Trump win the presidency, but we're going to make sure that never Trumpers get into Congress. So we have more Mitch McConnell's and Paul Ryan's and, and Kevin. McC well, I don't know about necessarily Kevin McCarthy. I think he's more of a puppet than anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyways. OK, have fun. Just piss more of your money away on candidates that won't get elected or chosen whatever like it's it's fine like it's to me it screams oh we put our money on the wrong pony let's go over to this one now yep. which still won't work uh kts 77 you can go to badlandsmedia.tv slash easy rx and use promo code badlands and they've got fembendas all there again that's badlandsmedia.tv slash easy rx X. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this story here from the AP. Protesting farmers spray Brussels police with liquid manure near EU's base in a new display of power. And uh, it says farmers clash with police in Belgium on Monday, spraying officers with liquid manure and throwing eggs and flares at them in a fresh show of force as the European Union's agriculture ministers met in search of ways to address the protesters' concerns. The farmers are angry at red tape and competition from cheap imports 
from countries where the EU's relatively high standards do not have to be met. Where do you think those uh, imports from cheap country, cheap imports from other countries, where do you think they're coming from, Paul? Mm, in like, I'm going to go with Ukraine. Yeah, that was that was going to be my first through fifth guess. Going to be <laughs> Ukraine. It says here in the article, it says Spain, the Netherlands, and Bulgaria have been hit by protests in recent weeks. The movement, which has gathered pace as political parties campaign for Europe-wide elections between the 6th through the 9th in June, has already produced results. Okay. Earlier this month, the EU's executive branch shelved an anti-pesticide proposal and a concession to the farmers who make up an important voting constituency. The EU presidency, currently held by Belgium, acknowledged that the farmers' concerns include the burden of respecting environmental policies, a drop in assistance from the bloc's agricultural subsidy system and the impact of Russia's attacks on UK on Ukraine's grain supply. So now I, I, we talked about this last week, and this was an interesting, and I think it was actually with you that 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 we were on when we talked about Ukraine, the 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 importing of grain. I think it was the Poles that were most pissed off about this, bringing in grain from Ukraine and saying that. You know, this is really crushing the local farmers because they're importing grain from a non-NATO non uh, country. I guess they are in the EU. Um, but no, they're not in the EU yet, are they? Ukraine? I don't think they are. No, they, they were. Well, hold on. I, no, I think that was the whole big thing is that they were getting on. <clears throat> a session of they Ukraine. Are, they yeah, are a February. priority. They were a priority partner for the EU, but they are not in the EU. Right. They applied for it in 2022. Right. Right after, right after the invasion. So, yeah, that's right. where I was going with. It. So the Poles are upset that the that they're taking grain from Ukraine and replacing grain that would have come from their own farmers. And when I saw that, I immediately was like, well, you know, we were told for so long that we can't let Ukraine fall because they're the breadbasket of the world. And so many people are going to starve and yada, 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 and all this stuff. And now you literally have farmers saying, no, we have grain here, you know, Polish first, right? Poles first, buy our grain first rather than buying uh, Ukraine's. The, I mean, obviously we have Agenda 2030, a lot of the, uh, the pesticides, which they seem to have won that battle there, the fuel subsidies, the carbon tax, the seizing of, of farmlands in, in the Netherlands. You know, a lot of this stuff is accumulating over there. And I mean, this has gotten massive now. They're saying that upwards of 20 countries now are protesting against this. Peter Sweden had an article uh, up in Gateway Pundit this morning about this. It said something big, something historic has been taking place all over Europe the last few months. Farmers in 20 European countries have taken to the streets to protest against unfair policies driven in large by the climate agenda. These protests are nothing but historic, yet you barely see anything in the news about them. The farmers are saying no to the World Economic Forum agenda. And now the protests have reached Sweden who just became a part of NATO, with farmers taking to the streets with hundreds of tractors, some carrying banners reading, no farmers, no food, no future. It really began with the Dutch farmers last year after the government talked about essentially seizing 3,000 farms in order to meet their 2030 climate goals. Eat the bugs, put the lotion on the skin. <laughs> put the lotion in the basket. Um yeah, it's uh, it turns out farmers are the last ones you, you kind of want to mess with and piss off. And this stuff going on over there has not gotten nearly 
enough airtime or, or credit or the views that it should over here because it's kind of a big deal. It's a, you you highlighted all the countries that are going through. There's massive protests every day. I mean, like we've got major thoroughfares in Germany, France, Belgium, Spain, just all being clogged up with tra like shutting down commerce and traffic. Period. Like I don't mean like they're not leaving a lane open for you to get to work. They're not. No, and this is. Look, I'm not um, I've been very outspoken against BLM and Antifa protests, clogging up traffic and keeping people from living their lives. This is far different than that. What these farmers are doing is literally clogging up traffic and doing all these protests to keep you living your life. Because if they don't do this and these governments take hold of all these farms, guess what? You're going to be eating the bugs and you're going to be happy about it. So. Yeah, this is I, I've been keeping an eye on these over on Telegram and it is absolutely mind numbing. The number of farmers you see involved in this, it's not like two or three tractors. We're talking hundreds, if not thousands of farmers and tractors on these roadways. We're talking uh, it, it is absolutely insane. It's not going away. I I suspect they halfway thought they these guys are like run out of steam and call it in by now. And it's only growing and getting bigger and getting bigger. And it's. Um, it's actually kind of awesome to see. Like, it's not awesome that they're having to do this to fight for their right to farm and, and do what they do for a living. But it's awesome to see so many of them like, you know what? We're done with this. Done with it. Absolutely done with it. And I I, I kind of seeing the same thing in New York right now with truckers refusing to take take shipments into there. Right. But it's it's on such a smaller scale than what's going on over in Europe right now. It is absolutely mind bending. The protests going on over there from farmers. Yeah, have we seen any updates on the New York thing? I haven't seen. I, I haven't. Not in like the last week. I haven't. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, part of the part of the whole protest in in Europe. I mean, France. The the reason that they were doing is because they 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 uh, uh, rescinded a seventy five year long subsidiary on diesel fuel tax. You know, credit. And it, it's crazy because you know when they did it, they said we don't have the money uh, to to continue this this subs subsidy. But at the same time, you know, they're sitting there saying, let's send another 40 billion dollars to Ukraine. Let's send another, you know, 20 billion dollar, 20 billion euros to Ukraine. I think at the time it was 8 billion that they were sending over there. But I mean, what a kick in the gut. If you're a farmer, you're the one that literally keeps that country going and you're disrespected so much so that your produce is being sold at a 300 percent markup at these grocery stores and everything. And meanwhile, you're living on pennies and dimes. And the one thing that you had going that was keeping you afloat, this fuel subsidy, they kick you in the gut and say, no, we're taking that away, but we're gonna send plenty of money over to Ukraine. And on the flip side, by the way, we're going to bring in Ukraine grains and, and, and produce in order to supplement what you can't produce. I would just tell them to F off and I would do exactly what they're doing now and spray manure all over their uh, parliament in, in Brussels. They're their all over it. I would cover yep. everything with shit. Period. Absolutely. Which is exactly what they're doing, by the way. So it's, <laughs> you know, not to go off topic, man, but I just saw a, uh, a breaking headline from Insider News that um, kind of plays to your theory that that what we saw for uh, what we're seeing with Ukraine and the. Um, <clears throat> All of it is actually a push for more money, like a shot across the bow, right? You said you posited that theory that they were sending shots across the bow for more funding. Biden literally just came out and, quote, warned Congress leaders of dire cost of Ukraine failure. So like right on cue, you're talking about the shot across the bow and here comes Biden. We've got to get more funding over there because it would be dire if we fail. So it's like panic, 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 man. I'm here all day for the panic. Yep.
All right, let's uh, jump into our last sponsor. I got two stories that are absolutely hilarious. You won't want to miss these two stories, and then we'll get you out of here for the day. But before that, ladies and gentlemen, life is unpredictable. If we've learned anything these last four years, it's just that. And while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us, we can prepare for it. Introducing two new emergency kits from the wellness company. The first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips. Compact and convenient. This kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. And then there's the travel emergency kit, which is specially designed for life on the go. Compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure, whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just the unpredictability of daily life, you will be ready. Next level readiness at your fingertips with the emergency kits from the wellness company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Visit badlandsmedia.tv TWC and use promo code badlands for an exclusive 10% discount. Again, that's badlandsmedia.tv TWC and use promo code badlands for 10% off. All right, let's jump into these two stories right here. First up from Yahoo News, the Progress Index, Virginia Lieutenant Governor, no intent to offend in calling a transgender senator, sir. Things took a tense turn in the state Senate after the Republican presiding officer referred to a Democratic transgender senator as sir during floor debates on Monday afternoon after two recesses. And her initial refusal to apologize, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earl Sears eventually said she was sorry, but she did not specifically say that to Senator Danica Rome from Prince William County. Instead, she looked at each section of the chamber and said, I apologize. This is absurd. So Winsome Sears, <laughs> who's a former... Good. It seems to me she's apologizing more for putting the Senate through this bullshit than actually what she said. <laughs> merman dad merman i mean this is just absolutely crazy i'm so gonna assume he, that his real name is senator daniel rome like that's I, sorry dude, sir I, I don't know but winsome sears is a is a marine uh she is the first black lieutenant governor of virginia she is the first woman i believe i don't know if it's woman or black woman but either way she accidentally called this person sir and they freaked out so much that they had to have two recesses just to figure out what the hell's going on i'm sorry last time i checked we have a first amendment right to free speech and if i mislabel your pronouns kiss my ass yeah i was just kiss. about to say my pronouns are kiss my ass how about that like that's and you know what's amazing about her and mark robinson of north carolina these mm. are two black folks that have risen to the position of lieutenant governor in their respective states, both of which are very southern states. But we're told racism is everywhere and yep. that racism is super prevalent in the south. But we've got two of the original 13 colonies, two states that were very heavily involved in the Civil War, two states that are about as southern as it gets, have two black folks as their second in charge in their state. And the mainstream media touched neither one of them. There was no story about the success of Sears getting to her position. There was no story about the success of Robinson rising from factory worker in 2019 who stood up for gun rights in Greensboro, North Carolina, and eventually became the lieutenant governor of this state because he's so freaking based. These are the stories, if they really cared about advancing black folks, they really cared about shining light on successful black people, these are the kind of people they'd be highlighting. It's like they'd be all over Clarence Thomas for the things he's accomplished in the court as a black justice. 
they don't care because these people are conservatives and they go against their communist narrative. But it's like it's it's such it's another one of those glaring exposure angles where it's like they scree and say we're all racist 24 seven. But two of the most southern states in the union have black lieutenant governors. And there's a very, very good chance that come November, Mark Robinson will be elected the governor of North Carolina. So. Crickets, absolute crickets. And I, I make the joke often. I hope one day Mark Robinson can eventually go on to become our first black president. That would be amazing. Yep. And not only that, I will say this, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome, Winsome Sears is a uh, not only a Marine, but an enlisted Marine. And I always have more respect for my enlisted uh, individuals that get into politics because they don't have the politicization of being an officer and dealing with the officer corps. So I always think that's a big thing. So, all right. And then the last story for the day, ladies and gentlemen, you can't make this shit up. Mary Poppins receives an adult rating now due to racism. Yes, racism. On Friday, the British Board of Film Classification upped the Disney movie cinema rating from U, meaning it contained no material likely to offend or harm, to PG. There's a point in the movie where someone uses the term Hottentots, which no one knew was racist until right now. Apparently, Hottentot is a, quote, racially insensitive term for the Koei Koei, an indigenous group in South Africa. Sometimes during the movie, the word is used in the film by Admiral Boom, including when referring to the chimney sweeps whose faces are covered in soot. Quote, we understand our racism and discrimination research and recent classification guidelines research that a key concern for people, parents in particular, is the potential to expose children to discriminatory language or behavior, which they may find distressing or repeat without realizing the potential offense. The BBFC spoke continued. Some languages or behaviors are therefore not permitted at U or PG in any circumstances or wholly dependent on context. Holy shit, man. Nobody in their right mind, nobody would have known what the hell a Hottentot is until they told us. Meanwhile, they've left Blazing Saddles completely alone. <laughs> well, to be fair, Blazing Saddles isn't rated you, to be fair. <laughs> Good point. Uh, did, you see, did you see the one about, uh, about Tomb Raider the other day that Bethesda had released a remastered version of Tomb Raider? And there's a warning at the beginning of it now for cultur culturally insensitive images and dialogue. Folks... The culturally insensitive dialogue and images are when Laura Croft goes to an island in New Guinea inhabited by New Guinea tribalists who are cannibals. I'm sorry, what's wrong about that? That's literally what they are on that island. Like, <laughs> my God, dude, it's... That's where I'm at on that one. Half of this racist, quote-unquote racist stuff, like nobody would even know... If mm -hmm. it was, if it was, it was racist. Like when I, when I saw hot and tots, I thought it was like a nickname for the Tottenham Spurs, the Tottenham hot Spurs. Like that's their, the Tottenham, Tottenham hot Spurs. That's their full team's name. The football club in, in the premier league, uh, Totten hot, hot and tot. Like I, I thought it was a nickname for their team. This is absolutely freaking insane, but whatever, whatever we are winning that's the kind of shit you need to show people be like hey did you know they changed they said mary poppins is racist yeah why is it racist because they use the word hot and tots <laughs> meanwhile until today i thought she was talking about tater tots i don't know 
I, I haven't seen the movie in 30 years. Same. 30, 38 years. I think the last time I saw that movie, I was wearing diapers, so I, I wouldn't know. But I'm pretty sure I the last thought. time I watched that movie, I was homesick from the flu and or was home homesick with the flu from elementary school. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, I I honestly thought that um, I honestly thought it was going to have something to do with the soot on on uh, w w is it Van Dyke that's in that movie? No, but you've just given them their next angle to attack that movie. Re, oh my God, Van Dyke goes blackface and Mary Poppins. Re, yeah. Well, isn't that isn't that like sexually inappropriate, Van Dyke? Yeah, I'm I'm offended. Dick I'm offended. Van Dyke, bro. That's like right. really offensive. Like. What does van mean? And doesn't it mean like with? In Spanish, it means in Spanish, it means to go, but it means to go in the form of you guys to go. So dick to go dyke. If you translate it, bro, this is starting to spiral, man. We need to pull ourselves out of this. This is going to get bad in about five minutes if we don't revert course right now. Why? What is Media Matters going to put out another hit piece on no, us? No, no, I'm just saying we're going down a dangerous path jokes. talking about Dick Van Dyke and. You know, it's just it's a slippery slope, man. It could it could get ugly in a hurry. Well, I'm all ready to slip, man. I'm all ready to slip. <laughs> How dare you? All right. How dare you? That is going to do it for today. We do have one lonely rumble. Oh, we've got oh we've got a couple rumble rants. Never mind. I, I lied. There were a couple that came in. Uh Dunright two seven two seven seven says, hit that like button, friends. Yes, please do. Uh, Missy Brash says, hot and tot is like lot lizard. I don't even know what that is. Is that like a know. store? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to guess store. I don't know. Hot and tot is like lot lizard. I don't know. Uh, Les Kush said, hey, has anyone heard the cause of death for Lord Rothschild? I can't find anything anywhere. Um, he was 87. So <laughs> he was yeeted. He was yeeted into the fires of Mordor along with the ring. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it could just be old age. It could just be the fact that he's a scumbag and he finally, his heart gave out and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep uh, pulling your shit. I, I don't know. I don't know. He's just old. He's just old. <laughs> you know what it was? It, it, it was it was time for him to go on to his new, uh, his his new clone was ready. And he's he's now roaming about as a, as a fresh adolescent 16-year-old who is, uh, you know, going out into the world and you'll see them rising in the next 20 years to a, a spot like Greta Thornburg or whatever. I her just, name is. I just kind of figured Satan was going on vacation because he's been working overtime lately. Needed somebody to sit in a throne for a little bit. So he gave Jacob a call. I, I don't know. It's like altered carbon, man. Have you seen that show? I have. Yeah. It's like altered carbon, man. You just, you don't really die. You just get out of your, your, your meat suit and into a new meat suit. <laughs> I just envision myself at the end of my life unzipping my meat suit and just stepping out of it into a new one. Just like, well, this one's done, got all wrinkled, shitty, and sore. Let's get a new one now. Like, if you ever watch, see what I mean? This conversation's taking a weird turn, man. That's what I was talking about five minutes ago. You ever watch Rick and Morty's personal space on on uh, inter intergalactic uh, cable? No. Oh, well, you'll you'll have to watch that clip. Just just type in "stay out of my personal space." rick and morty and you'll see the commercial all right guys that is gonna <laughs> wrap it up for us today uh we'll leave you with that rick and morty little thing there uh i think we got at 2 p.m i believe 145 we are doing the the uh fanny hearing i i believe i could be wrong on that ash give me a thumbs up if we are and i'm gonna keep talking about it because there's a 10 15 second delay so uh in the meantime you'll be able to catch us on that at about 145 i'm gonna 
join, I believe. A, I believe. Uh, a lot I lizard is a um, a lot lizard is a truck stop prostitute. That would be a lot lizard. Oh, now that makes more sense. Now yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was good. That was good trying Thank to, you for the clarification as well, friend. I'm trying to kill time until Ash jumps in and says, yes, it's 2 p.m. today, Brian. Why do you suck at life? Because I'm not you, Ash. I'm not. Not everybody has a brain chip yet. Oh, my goodness. I saw you guys on Culture Change talking about that brain chip stuff. <laughs> Did you see? I was. What was I watching the other day? There was like an interview. Oh, who the hell was it? He was interviewing a dude that was wearing a brain chip and he was asking him like these insane questions and the guy was able to answer them based on the brain chip. Oh my goodness. Who was it that was the interview? Oh, I don't think I like that. No, I don't, I don't like, like it that. at all. I don't like that. I mean, uh, it was I, really... I seen another one the other day where a dude that got a brain chip was able to control the cursor of a mouse with yeah, that's, just that's thinking true. about it. Yeah, that's Neuralink. But this one now was a perfectly fine guy. He was wearing something on his ear that went right here. And the guy was asking him, like, what's 6,573 times 58.7? And the guy's like, he had to wait. It's not quick yet. And he was like, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. That's exactly right. And then he asked him, like, a, a an actual question, like, you know, I, I, dude, it was insane. It was insane. I meant to clip it. And now I can't even remember where the hell I saw it. All right, we got to get out of here. We've went way over. Paul, thank you so much for joining. You got anything coming up that you want to plug real quick? Uh, yeah, Eye of the Storm tonight at 1030. It's for sure to be a banger as usual. But that's that's about it, friends. Thank you guys so much. And thank you as usual for having me every Tuesday, man. It's become one of my uh, one of my favorite things to do in the week. I, I love sitting here and, and bullshitting about the news with you, man. It's a lot of fun. So thank you. Absolutely, man. I was really hoping somebody in the chat would know what I was talking about with this earpiece thing, but nobody did. So we're going to get out of here. I will see you guys in about an hour and a half on the Fannie Willis coverage. So uh, yeah, take care, guys. We'll see you when we see you very soon. Very, very soon. Trying to find the outro. Oh, there it is. Can only Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.